without knowing anything about the podcast. I know. It's got to be weird to hear just someone input a recorder into. Do you know? What, did you I know think, that was recorded? I think that's great. Did, did, did you know what it was? No. <laughs> just because so, it doesn't sound anything like a good recorder. So episode two, we went on this massive rant about um, why the hell schools give kids recorders. Oh, right. And it's so. Or ukuleles. Uka, they give we have ukuleles. ukulele lessons right now. What? Do they send you home with the ukulele? Yep. Wow. Is that's got to be better than a recorder, though. That is true. Yes, a ukulele is definitely better than a recorder. I just envision you could shut the door to the bedroom, and they could play the ukulele, and it and it wouldn't be piercing through the walls of the home. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> your face is telling me different. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah. Good I mean, morning, could, Kyle. Good morning, Mister Lane. <laughs> <laughs> good morning, Lacey. Good morning. So. Morning, everybody out there. Three people listening to our podcast this morning. Um, yeah, Sunday yeah. morning today. Everybody's sitting down nice and early this morning. Everybody's got our coffees and our waters are ready to go. And today we have Lacey Steffes. Yeah, it's a, you have three late three names that you go by. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, for when um, I remember when when we first met um, through Stephanie and. I just remember seeing it was Lacey Welsh Steffes or Lacey, and I and I always fucked it up, and so I w- I would be like I like you know Lacey Welsh, and she's like no it's Lacey Steffes, and I'm like well what's the w-? and I had, so. I think on my social media my maiden name might still be on there maybe I should check that out I mean I've been married for like fifteen years so fifteen it might be time <laughs> could be I mean you've rocked it for fifteen what's the difference uh, yeah yeah that's true like my garbage email still is like my hotmail with my maiden name so okay hotmail wow i know any other time i like if somebody has to give me their email address and it's hotmail i'm like whoa (laughs) (laughs) so does hotmail still have like act they obviously still have an active email server like you can log in and create Uh, a new hotmail account no it's through msn oh Oh, you can't microsoft you can't you know it's like a live.com wow it's like aol it is AOL. It's like one genre newer than AOL. Yeah. Wow. Yep. So <laughs> that's how you date yourself, right? Like what yeah, is your I, junk yeah. email? Yeah. That's true. Well, or if you had or if you had a MySpace account. Bro, MySpace <laughs> was the jam. I know it was. It was amazing. But I'm just saying, if you had a MySpace account, you know how old somebody you, was. Yeah, you within like a five year window, yep. you have a pretty good idea of how old yeah. they were. What was the dude's name? On MySpace, he always is like the one dude who was like a profile shot. He's like, "Hey, my name's so and so. Welcome to MySpace." You know what I'm talking about? The little picture of the I guy. I never had a MySpace account. What? what? That's how old. That's how young you are. No, I was older. Oh, you were older. Yeah. Well, how? Oh, yeah, I, I was gonna say like MySpace was when I was in my my teen years, like early teen years, middle school teen years. Yeah. So I was I was in college. Yeah. For MySpace. So. You could, fuck yeah, man! I think his name was Tom. Did you have the background music so when someone like logged into your thing, like music automatically played? No, because I didn't have any friends. So. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> I was a friendless MySpace guy. I didn't have to, no. Uh-uh. I wasn't I wasn't very tech savvy at all. And I didn't have any friends on on the socials at that point in time. So pretty sure was, mine was like a blacked out background, all dark and shit. And yeah, I had he some, was I had dark. some I don't know. 
I don't even know what song playing in the background. Some metal song? <laughs> no, it's probably some grunge song. Oh, some some very emotional <laughs> angst, teenage angst song. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, so, go ahead. No, Lacey, hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Keep doing your intro here, Ike. Okay, great. Yeah, so we walked up this morning and Kyle says, just so you know, dude, I ain't got shit today. <laughs> It's I'm been like, a busy fucking nothing week. Nothing happened in my life this week. No, nothing. it's just been super busy, and so yeah. I have not had time to process thoughts. No, that's all good. Um, you had a question before we opened up the podcast here. You had- I did. I was just wondering, like, what's the why here? Like, what's the, is it, I asked Ike yesterday, I was like, so is this just like a therapy session? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen I mean, to two episodes ago, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's good, too. I was like, what? <clears throat> I just... Sometimes it feels like that. So it definitely feels like that sometimes. And I don't know. What what was the you asked me what like six months ago? Yeah. You were it was like, a while ago. Dude, what do you think? What do you think what do you think about doing a podcast? So what was the impetus for that? I don't know. We are mid COVID and oh. uh, interaction, social interaction. <laughs> How yeah. many podcasts do you think started during COVID? Shit. So many. Holy shit. Yeah. I, I read the other day there's like 2 million podcasts out there. So what is that? See, then that, like, that increased exponentially. used to be only it, 1 million. It, yeah. Yeah. So if it was 1 million podcasts, I mean, it'd be one podcast for every 350 people that exist. Now there's one podcast for every 175 people that exist. That is some quick math. Wow. So like walking through downtown Baraboo. You're going to see like 15 podcasters. podcasters, yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably true. And it's interesting, though. I feel like when you scroll through podcasts, there's a lot like that are like there was like five episodes. Oh, sure. right. 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 Or, just, like, or it was like, hey, we posted an episode and then they stopped. Yeah. And then, you know, we're pretty consistent. We actually are. I'm surprisingly. Yeah. Yeah. Every week. I think anything that you do, whether it's social or podcasting, like what if you're doing it consistently, you're going to organically like grow followers. Yeah, it's like a, organic, it, like it, a weed. <laughs> it's we're a weed. That's what we are. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Just popping up in people's ear holes like a weed. Yeah, no, that's us. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that. I that was know. a terrible visual. Yeah, well, that's, hey that, that's going to be the new cover art for this episode. Is a weed coming out of somebody's <laughs> ear? That's on you. You got to come up with that. With your face as like yes, the flower part, absolutely. Like a dandelion. Yeah, I'll be the weed. <laughs> I'll be the weed coming out of Lacey's ear. That's what it's going to be. That's it's going to take some shit. time. I'm not really a graphic designer. Yeah, well, get on it. If any show. graphic designers listen to this <laughs> shit, help us out. No, I think um, Ike and I are pretty close. We run the league, obviously, and we, we hit on some deep stuff. And I just thought, fuck, we talk about anything and everything. Why shouldn't we record this and put it out there? Awesome. And uh, surprisingly, you were down, Ike. <laughs> You're like, yeah, man. Well, it's always game. I'm game. I'm 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 game for new experiences. Yeah, I always like new shit. You know, stuff that's going to challenge me and stuff that's going to make me think differently and stretch my time a little thinner. You know, I'm pretty good at that because <laughs> that's really what I need to do every day is just put more of myself out there. But um, no, it's uh, um, I don't know what the hell else are we for? Are we here for? To, but to try new shit and. Do different things. I mean, we got enough of our, I have enough of my life that's like my day to day that's normal. Yeah. Where if I get to do something fun like this, then 
you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think we were pretty open to, I mean, we're in a culture right now that's so quick to shut people up yeah. um, that we were like, we can be open and honest and genuine and not have like, that won't change our relationship or our feelings towards each other. It's just, if you have something on your mind, say it. Like, don't be afraid to be you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I feel like we've done that to date. So far to date. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've yeah. only got heated twice, I think. <laughs> At to, each to other? other? Yeah, and it wasn't even heated. It was it, just like, I don't even remember. Adamant really about our oh, points. Oh yeah. Well, we, mm-hmm. we, we will argue our points very, very sternly, but it's not always, uh, I don't think we've ever been heated. No. No. Because we're not heated people. (laughs) Not yet. Not yet. (laughs) Life's too short. Well, like the, what was the first, first episode we dove right into like politics and shit. Okay. I'm, I'm confident you just had this shit like on the back burner and you're like, it was on your mind and on your mind and you had to get it out. That's my promise. It was right after the Capitol riots. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, I was pretty hot about that anyway. I mean, it was one of those things and and it was, it's like, I don't know what the hell we're talking about. And I was like, well, we can talk this. about some, pissed some about pissed off something. bullshit. What's going on in the world? I don't know. Sometimes I get in that mode where it's like, I try to look around and go, what the fuck? Like, what is happening around our world, in our lives? And then why is it that we live in this little, uh, honestly, I think Barry was this little bubble. Oh, for sure. Like, like we don't experience shit here. You know, it's like. You know, we were just talking about masks and stuff and what's the stores are slowly just eh, not. We don't really need them anymore. But you go outside of Baraboo. If you go to Madison, people are still wearing masks outside, which has always been odd to me. Yeah. Did, did you see the CDC? They stay they, was that like new guideline. Yeah. It's like it's OK to not wear a mask outside. It's like, oh, no shit. <laughs> Thanks for letting me know. I just, I've been wearing a mask everywhere I go. Thank you. Even in my car. Yeah, even in my car. Yeah. Yeah, I got some beef with that shit. The, with the new what? The it new it just, why, if the incentive to get vaccinated is go back to be normal or you can do more things, well, the list is like the same. If you're vaccinated or not, you don't have to wear a mask outside, but you do inside. That's like the, that's the list essentially. Yeah. The, did you, they had the, the face pictures? Yeah. Yeah. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. With the two. The yeah. two columns. Yeah. yeah. This is safe. This is not safe. They, I don't know. It seems like they're always changing shit. They are. I don't think anyone knows what the fuck's up. Yeah. There's not a good plan. I think that's, we can all safely assume that that's how this whole thing has went. Yeah. Well, what's your plan, Lacey? What's Come my on. plan? About masking? About, no, just life. What's your life plan life to for me to be successful? Give me some advice. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's deep. No pressure. Um, when I was just listening to you guys talk about your why, I was thinking the word that keeps coming to mind is like being vulnerable. And mm-hmm. for both of you, like being like respected in the community, I think that's important for people to know that like you're vulnerable too and you have ideas and thoughts that are scary. Yeah. Yeah. I we, like it. Yeah. We that's we tried it. We talked about that vulnerability a little bit. And that's a big piece of league with our guys group. Yeah. Is letting these guys sit down and not be afraid to like be themselves and if they got something they got they want to rant about it, they want to they want to have a cry, whatever it is, they can do it and yeah. and they're safe. You know, how many places exist like that where people feel that way in this world? I mean, I don't know. A lot of people don't even feel that way in their own homes. No, and I always, like, personally, I always feel like if you're not willing to be vulnerable and you just give off the vibe of cookie cutter and you'll follow whatever trend, like, 
you can't think for yourself, then I have different thoughts about you already. What a judgy fucker you are. I am. That is judgy. <laughs> I think it's great that you probably maybe were raised in a place where you could be vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or, or somehow you figured it out. Like I hung out with Ike too long. Oh, yeah. Lots of feelings. <laughs> Ike, Ike puts out the feels. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I certainly... Uh, there's one... There's. I have not hugged any guy, including my dad, more than I've hugged Ike. I, when the pandemic started, I was like, "What is Ike gonna do? Like, he's gonna he's gonna have like poor staff is just gonna be like a puddle because he's like, can I hug you? Can I hug you? I couldn't hug anybody today. You know, Stephanie, I'm not hugging up on her all the time. <laughs> Are you serious? She's like, get away from me. <laughs> no, I had so like I got enough really good dude friends that it like I don't know. I just hug people in your but, bubble. Yeah, in my in my bubble, in my bubble of of good friends that, you know, like, so there's a I got a couple different groups of guy friends. Some of them were like, mm, I'll, I'll give you the elbow. And it's like, oh fucking elbow, what is that elbow? It's like, come on. But then it's like him, Kyle. I just hug him, give him a hug back. But I was I was at a deficit for a while. <laughs> I was like, I could just go downtown and stand on the square and do that free hug sign and that would like fill me back up. You know how many people would like probably do that after a pandemic when they can't touch anybody? I don't know, not if they live in Dane County. I feel like they're never well, going to hug in Dane County. No, again. I wouldn't do it down in Dane County. I'd probably get some hugs from a lot of homeless people, is what I get hugs from. <laughs> They'd be like reaching around and like checking my pockets. <laughs> it's like, I'll give you a hug, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been to Madison in quite a while, but last time I was down there, it didn't. The homeless population didn't seem nearly as bad as it was before on down on State Street area. But I think everybody left State Street after the rioting. Yeah, well, yeah, it's it's a whole different world. It's weird. Yeah, it's that it doesn't have that romance anymore. Mm. It's, it's no. Pretty... Do you think it's how long do you think it's going to take before that comes back? A long time. <clears throat> I think it'll be a long time. Years, unless somebody dumps a shit ton of money into it. You think that's what the answer is, is, is being able to just fund it? Or is it people? I think you have to fund it. You have to create something amazing or cool, some experiential thing mm -hmm. that draws people that you that can shop and you know do all the things that, mm -hmm. that State Street used to be. How many stores did they lose down there? Like half of them. I want to say like 23 stores, something like business. that, went out of business. You know. Oh, man. See, I was never a Madison guy anyways. I'm not a big town kind of guy. Mm. Where are you from, Kyle? Sock. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a long ways away. Long was, ways away. So I was in Madison yesterday. Went to the farmer's market. Okay. Which is at the Alliant Energy Center right now. What? And is like not nearly as like romantic and sexy as being downtown but it's way more convenient mm. oh I, I, like the mm. parking is right there it's yeah, like you yeah. have to drive around and um yeah and uh everyone had masks on outside which was, was fine was it popping was it in the parking lot outside? yeah it was in the parking oh, okay. lot yeah it was definitely more like chill but we got there kind of late because it's only open until noon we didn't get there till oh 11. okay but i still got all the things i wanted so so is it worth having to drive to madison well, because our farmer's market isn't open That's here true. yet. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't have anything just like looking for something to do. So I drove through Madison last week. Whoa. 
Whoa. You're an adventurer. <laughs> and I went down to Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah, the, the last time I went on, so when at, right after the riots, not right after the riots, on, on State Street, um, a few months, once everything started to get boarded up, um, I went down there with my daughter. She got her nose pierced for her birthday. And they had just started painting the murals. And um, there was something really powerful about all these beautiful mirror, murals on top of these sheets of plywood that are covering up broken windows. And I guess I just, seeing that, I had this feeling that uh, that people are going to step back in and, and, and open back up and, and try to make it beautiful again. Show up. You know? Show up. Yeah, it's like... Um, For their town. Yeah, yeah. And, and they were making a statement. Obviously, a lot of the murals were um, BLM murals, um, so they were trying to make a, a point. But like we've talked about this so many times, it seems like there's two different sides of BLM. There's a BLM side that's very violent and rioting, and then there's a BLM side that's very passive, and they want to just ha- have their voice heard, and they, they do these beautiful murals. Yeah. And, um, and so to see the violent side on TV – or on, I don't have TV, I guess, on, on the internet, on Facebook videos or whatever it is. Um, and then to go down there and see these beautiful murals, there was like a, it's like a beautiful tragedy, you know? It's like, like you were talking about a weed earlier, but it's like, <laughs> it's like, a, it's like a, a weed growing out of a, of a abandoned asphalt park and a little dandelion. It's like, okay, so we can come back. Like, we can make something out of this. We just got to have some perspective and give it some time and and support the businesses that want to come back, you know? Well, I think anything, all of us, we have to break. Things have to break to get better because, like, if things are just moving along and they're good and everything's going well, nobody's ever going to, like, pivot or turn or change if, I mean, I feel like the pandemic's been a great example of that, right? Like, yeah. We were all just clicking along in our little lives, doing the thing, and then it all came crashing down, whether you lost your job or your house or your kids were homeschooled, and it's like, okay, now when something breaks, it gives you the space to create something new, Mm -hmm. and without that break, you'd keep going in your normal life, because that's what's comfortable and safe. Right. So, you know, whether it's a divorce or any kind of tragedy it Mm -hmm. it makes you pivot and and opens your mind to like what are the opportunities that exist here but you don't think about those opportunities when your checkbook's full and your calendar's full and you know i mean in a weird way it's just another version of the hero's journey oh absolutely i mean it's not yeah not even in in a weird way it, it absolutely is but it's a mass amount massive amount of people stepping into that journey like you know the hero's journey joseph campbell Mm -mm. um so like the uh the star wars movie was based around the hero's journey so it's like um uh there's a a person living their everyday life you know um playing doing their gardening going to work they got their kids and all these things and and then something happens to upset the apple cart and then they have to make a decision you know, do am I willing to change and, and open my eyes to see what's out there? Or am I just going to put my head back down and keep doing what I'm doing? And they open their eyes and change to what's out there and possible. So they go out on this grand adventure. 
And on the grand adventure, um, they get, it's called, it's in the hero's journey. It's, it's uh, referred to as a call to action. So this is, you're going to be called to go do something great. So then along the lines of the hero's journey, you come across teachers and they teach you new things about life and you have new experiences and you add to your toolbox. And then you come to this pinnacle where there's a, a great struggle. And when you hit the peak of this pinnacle and you're in the middle of this great struggle and you overcome, that's when you've, you've fully evolved to a, like a, a whole human you have all this knowledge and experience in life, and then you're supposed to take that, and then it comes full circle, and you bring it back to where you started, and you share it with the people that are um, your like your 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 kids, your family, your friends, your hometown, anybody that needs a message that are starting their hero's journey, you know. And it's just it's this whole full circle of life, and before like not very many people would accept that journey. Not very many people was were willing to step out of that safe, like you said. Because they want everything to go back to normal. Well, right. How many times do you hear people say that right now? Like, I just want it to be normal. Like, do you really want it to be normal? Because right. if you want it to be normal, then that's like that fixed mindset. Like, you didn't learn anything from last year. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> that like is if you awesome. didn't learn anything in the last year, if you didn't grow, if you didn't want to be better, if you didn't want to have a more fulfilled, joyful life, you just want to go back to going to baseball games seven nights a week. And then we're done. Like, what did you learn out of this? Mm-hmm. You know, what made you a, a better person? I keep saying, if we can just take the skills that we learned last year and apply them to the rest of our life, like trying to find balance, trying to do things that fill your bucket, mm-hmm. like not just fighting the rat race and doing the thing because that's what you're used to doing. Like, we're going to be so much better. But yeah. there are people that want that. That's all they want is just to go back to the way it was. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, I confident that I don't want to go back to the way it was like I didn't I was not living my best life Mm -hmm. for me maybe maybe there are other people that were like that life was the most amazing thing I ever had and now it's gone yeah you have people like me are like I don't even remember freaking pre-covid what the (laughs) hell is going on (laughs) yeah no it is it's like the to have that routine and that schedule and that you wake up and it's, you, you get up the same time, you do the same things every single day, and then you come home. Everything you said is there is so much safety in that that, yeah, people don't. There's people so much don't. safety, but is there joy? Is there happiness? Is that fulfilling? Like, I think for some people, yeah. I think for some people it really is. Yeah, that's true. You know, I really think that, like, you know, like, well, think about like this. Um Take, take, we're in Wisconsin. There's a shitload of farms around Wisconsin, right? How many farmers do the exact same thing every single day? And they, and like the small family farms, now they're going out. Granted, like big farms are taking over, but their routine is everything for them. Every single day. They got their cows, they got their dog, they got breakfast with their wife, and they do the same thing every single day or breakfast with their husband. Do the same thing every single day. And, um, and when, when something throws a wrench in that, it's devastating, you know, and I'm not saying it's not a good thing to have a wrench in there, but for some people, that's just, that's all they want. You know, they just want to have this life that, I don't know, but I, I, I I agree with you. And I don't think that's bad. I think everybody gets to make a choice for themselves. Yeah. Um, so I guess I shouldn't say I'm not going to be friends with No, you can't be friends with them. You said You already said it. I get, I get, I get chastised for... (laughs) 
for being judgmental your and you're unfriending carefully. people because they like routines. I mean, here we go. Uh, I don't, I don't not like people because they don't like routines. I just want to make sure that people aren't just doing it because that's what they've always done. And that's what somebody expects them to do. Yeah, I think right. we all need to be able to have, to have the freedom to be vulnerable enough to make changes in our life. I had this crazy conversation with my 10 year old yesterday. She's a crazy reader and she, literally is reading war and peace this summer and so she's like (laughs) but she we were in the car and she said mom i feel like in all of my books when someone gets betrayed it's usually by their lover my 10 year old Mm -hmm. yeah okay well what book are you currently reading (laughs) (laughs) um and i was thinking I, i thought about it for a minute and i said i think that's because when you're in an intimate relationship whether it's a family member or a significant other you uh make a commitment to them you make a choice and at some point, maybe you change and maybe you want something different out of life, mm-hmm. like to be with someone else or yeah. to take a different job or to move. But our society has taught us that once we make that commitment, we don't get the opportunity to say, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I, I'm not interested in being in this relationship or I'm not interested in doing that job. So then people, by our nature, we maybe go to a different partner or Get we sneaky you know, about it. We do be sneaky about it, yeah. but we don't have the trust in ourselves to just be honest with people. Mm-hmm. So that's where the betrayal comes from yeah. because we, we want to protect people, but in the end we end up hurting them way more right. because we don't, aren't strong enough to, to be honest. Yeah. So it's what you're saying is it's a, it's, it begins with a personal betrayal yeah. of oneself Yes. And then turns into the betrayal of those the, those that love us and those that we love. Yeah. And and we and then we hurt them even more yeah. than if we would have just been honest. Yeah. I don't like living here anymore. I don't mm-hmm. want to be with you anymore. I I don't like broccoli anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you went really deep and then you went to broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to lighten it up a little bit. No, but you know awesome, what I mean? Yeah. I was like and I like and then I started thinking about it and I was like, man, that's totally true. Like if we could just be honest with people and be like Kyle, I don't think we can be friends anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah, this was know? cool, but I got to go. But I got to go. <laughs> yeah. And if we, you know, when I think about marriages, it's like, okay, in our minds, in our society, like you get married and you stay married forever, like to one right. person. For some people that might work, for some people it might not. But we don't have the latitude in our society always to to be honest about well society judges people obviously heavily and and it's like um you know like there's a with the first time i got divorced the only time i got divorced i remember we had a pretty tight friend group and everybody was they would they were crying because my ex-wife and i got divorced because it like fucked their world up their friend group that well it fucked the friend group up but it like it made them question, oh, you can get divorced. Mm. Like, am I happy with my partner right now? And all, all of a sudden, because I remember a friend bef- of mine before that who had gotten divorced, and it was like, oh, so you can do that, right? Like, if you're unhappy, that's something you can do, you know? And so then a lot of a lot of my friends at the time, and I don't know who the fuck's listening to this, but they're probably going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, they're like, oh, so what's that like? You know, and it's like, oh, well, it's really fucking hard. 
But at the same time, it's like I'm a little lighter. It's like a braking thing. You it, had to break. You had the break. Yeah, you had the break. And then all of a sudden you see this new piece of yourself that's like, fuck, I like myself. It, like there's these different pieces that come out of it. So yeah, it's um I think marriage is like one of the fucking hardest in that. Definitely the hardest it's thing like, I've ever done. It's super fucking hard. We talked about marriage on here yeah. so many times where it's just like um you make that commitment and and I don't mean it's hard to be married. I mean it's hard to be a hundred percent honest in the marriage to be put it out there. And um every day. Well, <laughs> well, because it's a it's scary and B, if somebody's upset, that doesn't feel good, you know, and it's like I know the way I get, it's like if like if Stephanie's upset at me, then I'm thinking about it even when I'm not around her. Yeah. You know, and it's like, okay, so I don't want her to be upset at me. But then at the same time, if we don't ever get upset at each other, then like they were not being real. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to be yeah honest and vulnerable and like, and I think that is part of those feelings. Like you can't be vulnerable with that person and honest with them. Then you got a problem. Yeah. That's supposed to be the person. Supposed to be. Sometimes it's easier to be honest and vulnerable with people you're not so close with. That's true. For sure. Yeah. yeah, we've said some stuff on this podcast, and my wife was listening to it, and she goes, really? I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you really feel that way? I've known you for how long? Yeah, no, it is. But I think in marriages, it's really hard, like, to find the space sometimes to have those conversations. Because, right, we get we all get caught up in, like, marriage and kids, and who's going grocery shopping, and did you get the mail, and I got a package, where did it go, and somebody needs to wash the flip the wash, and yeah. all the, like, minutia of marriage, and you lose... The other stuff, like the good stuff, the good and the bad stuff, because it's just all the motions. Yeah. I think it certainly goes in cycles too, right? Like, oh, you have kids who are teenagers now. Have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Or, oh, you have a kid now. Babies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ba- you you, you kind of lose. I, I know I lost myself in 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 the whole life of being a husband and parent and 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 work and everything for a long time you know yeah. especially yeah. when my kids were babies and because i had kids every 2 years for 8 years and it was like i knew what my job was you know and i knew i was a good dad and and i knew that what i was supposed to feel at the end of the day and then and it was my job to kind of what i felt anyway was to kind of hold all the pieces up you know but in that I got blinders and I just, I lost sight of a lot of things. I lost sight of my health for a while. Didn't, didn't give a shit about what I looked like, what I felt like. Shaved my head because I didn't want to deal with hair. <laughs> it was like all of that shit that we do in, in these relationships, especially when we're married with kids. Yeah. You lose yourself a little bit. I think you do. And I think you just got to keep like checking in, whether it's on yourself or on your marriage. You know, it's like, hey, we need a timeout. Mm-hmm. Something's. Something's not right here. Yeah. So how does somebody learn that though? Because like I didn't know that shit when I was a kid having babies. You know, it's like it. it, it and I, the the thought of going to a marriage counselor was like fuck that. 
I'm not going to have someone tell me. I feel like <laughs> when you get married, somebody should just automatically give you like a dozen therapy credits. Right like, there. It's like the best wedding gift yeah. ever. Like you do six of these before you get married and then just save the next six for like two years down the road. Yeah. That's fucking beautiful advice right there. That is like the, the Because shit. we don't know how to communicate unless you have a really fantastic parents and I'm not giving any shade to my parents because <laughs> they didn't know either. But unless somebody teaches you how to communicate communicate yeah on an open honest vulnerable self-loving level you don't know how to be married yeah no especially it's all with about kids. communication yeah see episode four <laughs> <laughs> see episode and like four. positive communication and constructive communication yeah. too yeah. yeah yeah you know yeah not yeah it's really easy to shut down with yeah. someone so and get easy. defensive yeah yeah so easy and you have to choose your words wisely. Right. Because you could easily say something that is like not your intention, but it gets taken totally out of context. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's where that middle person comes in that really helps out yeah. to, to say, wait a minute, what did you hear? Lacey, what did you hear Kyle just say just now? <laughs> and it's just like, Lacey's like, I heard him say that I'm a fucking bitch and he doesn't like my, my pancakes in the morning. Cause like, that's not what I said at all. It's like, that's what it's like. I was not hungry and I didn't have time to eat. <laughs> yeah. It, that's exact. you know, but it's, it's that communication because we don't know how to communicate very well. No, we're not no, taught. No, we are not taught. You know, so after my first divorce, you have to go to, a, I had to go to a class on how to get divorced. God, why don't they give you that before what? you get married? That's exactly what I was just going to say. That's what I told those people. We went to this class, and they and you have to go to a class with how to get divorced. And I think in, in Wisconsin, if you have kids, you have to go to you oh, know sure. this class, right? And the the people were up front, and they're saying, "Okay, this is what's going to happen," and you know they they've been through it. And and I said, "Why didn't why don't they do this? This should be a mandated class for people who want to get married, especially when you want to get married young." It's just oh. like this class needs to be moved in front. Mm -hmm. You know how many divorces it would save and, and how much bullshit it would save to do that ahead of time? Oh, yeah. my God. I mean, I think people. Well, at least people would have some tools. Right. Well, that's one thing the church does, right? The church, do they, they still do the pre-marriage classes? Yeah, yeah. I had to take it. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I, I will just say I was young and I think I, we were just like, yeah, okay. Go through the class and be like, oh, yeah, cool, we're good. So what was the class like? I don't even remember. I think it was a one-on-one -on -one with... Uh, the father. We did a group class, and then we did have like a couple. Oh, yeah, that we, we did met have to with. do a group class. You're right. Like with other people getting married. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I what, forgot what, about that. What, That's what? how impactful it was. I forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was two days. Yeah, it's. A, I think we did ours like maybe like every six nights or something like that. Yeah. So it's a chunk of time, like eight or ten hours. Okay, so you went to the class, and what does it cover? I don't I didn't, remember. I didn't remember the class, let alone what it covered. Okay. How old were you, Kyle? 23 or 24. And how old were you, Lacey, when you went through that 28. class? 28. 28. Okay. And so, I was I was trying to get in the good graces of the church because I wasn't confirmed. So, Oh. My wife wanted a Catholic wedding. You were only there for, you had an agenda. I had to take <laughs> private lessons to get confirmed as an adult with a nun. And then I got confirmed with a bunch of middle schoolers. Ooh, but that was fun. <laughs> That's like the senior who flunked out of freshman science class yeah. is still sitting in there. <laughs> it was a little awkward, but I did it. I, I, I do did think it. that that 
those marriage classes definitely have a different purpose or a yeah, different th- intention. They I'm, want you to see the marriage as it exists in the Catholic Church. Yeah, okay. it was all about Which, kids and um, faithfulness and continued church going and is, things like that. Yeah, it's like programming, basically, yeah. Catholic okay, programming. Yeah. Um, it it was not like so. It's more of a programming class. Okay, it's more of a pro. I mean, they're Catholics, yeah. right? There's some programming. There's some uh, grooming. Mm-hmm. I went into a Catholic <laughs> yeah. church like uh, on purpose once in my life, and that's because I wanted to meet a girl. So, yeah. I want to say I almost want to say there was a section for my wife on like birth control and not. I believe so. I like, believe that was. Yeah. I do wow. remember that the only part that I failed on was the part about fidelity. And I was like, if, if we can't have a faithful marriage that, and they were saying, they were pre teaching that, um, people make mistakes. And so, Oh wow. Just got to, just got to roll that. with it. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I wow. was like, I don't, I don't think that's part of my moral compass, but yeah, yeah. that's, I'll that's always something advice. that's been striking to me about, Marriages, oh, we've been married for 60 years and we had a tough patch. And, you know, Bob had a girlfriend for a little while, but we got through it. And it's like, fuck that. Yeah, I don't think, <laughs> I just, I don't think I could, uh, and maybe it's a weakness, but I, or well, I don't know, someone would word it in a certain way where it's bad on me, but it's like, I couldn't Forget. continue that. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't no. move uh-uh. beyond it. Yeah. Like your most trusted person. Yeah. yeah. No different than I wouldn't expect my wife to move on it either, right? Yeah. No, absolutely not. That's like, I don't know. Personally, I think that's just, for me, it was a commitment I made to myself where it's like, if I ever felt like I wasn't happy, this is like, then you say, I'm not happy. Yeah. You know, and before you act on something outside of that, you know, because once it gets there, then it's like, then it just, it's a total meltdown. If you're, you know, I feel like if you're at the point where you're having a, a conscious conversation in your head to make a choice, if you should cheat or not you're already beyond prepared. You know, like yeah. if you're like, if the situation's there and you're like, oh, I, I mean, she went out. if you're thinking about it, <laughs> like you're already prepared to do it. Even if yeah. you choose not to, like you're yeah. beyond, like you need to seek some marriage help. Oh, absolutely. At that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. I'm going to step away from this bar stool. Right <laughs> I think I need to go talk to my counselor. Yeah. Well, at that point, your counselor's right in front of you. Just pour me another one. <laughs> Let me tell you about my problems. That's a, I don't know, that should be a higher paid position, bar counselor. Bar counselor. (laughs) But what's the real advice? I don't know. I've never, I don't think I've ever sat bellied up to a bar and asked advice from a bartender. Like by yourself with a shot of Jameson in front of you, like drunking your sorrows. Yeah. Yeah. Drunking. (laughs) I'm not going to name names. All right, I'm not going to name names here. Okay, don't name names. It was uh, a weekend or after work Friday night gathering, and a bunch of us were out here, the local taverns in Baraboo, and we decided it would be a smart idea to go up to the Dells. So someone's girlfriend or friend drives us up to the Dells, and we're all hanging out. We look over, and we're missing, and I'm just going to say John for the sake of this conversation. Mm. Like, where the fuck's John? We look over, and he's got his leather coat, with a hood it's got it's a leather coat with a cloth hood and it's pulled up over his head and he's belly up to the bar in the dells sitting by himself we're like a group of like seven people like partying on the patio i go over like uh john what the fuck are you doing he goes i'm looking mysterious <laughs> I'm like, uh. was john's name ike no <laughs> john's name was not ike i'm like uh bro we're having a good time you want to like join us and he's just sitting there 
And he goes, I might come out there and smoke a cigar, but I'll be by myself. Like, okay, well, why the fuck did you come with us, bro? <laughs> Man of mystery. Was he, was he like looking to, to like, I don't know if somebody up I don't or know. something? I don't know. Wow. I'm like, bro, this is really antisocial behavior. <laughs> that's that's his joy right there. He wants yeah. to be like the creepy weird guy at the end of the bar. And mysterious, yeah. man. So I don't know. Maybe he was talking to the bartender for some bartender therapy. And <laughs> I was like, the fuck are you going with this, man? <laughs> Because when we were talking about bellying up to the bar for bar yeah. tender therapy, that's my, I mean, the he vision. wasn't, but that was the first vision that came to my head. So I figured I'd share. Yeah. It was funny. Hey, no. I'm realizing uh, we're 40 minutes in and maybe, I don't know, the listener in Spain doesn't know who you are. So who are you, Lacey? Um, I am. You're Lacey. Huh? Yeah, I'm Lacey. <laughs> I don't know who the hell I am. I'm going to figure that out. I'm going to figure it out soon. Soon? Yeah. Think. Can you put a time frame on? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm all the things. I'm. Uh, I own a business downtown. Uh, I'm a wife and a mother and uh, a self. <laughs> my husband said to me the other day. My husband said to me the other day, "You need a hobby that isn't self help." <laughs> <laughs> Pandemic's been hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna figure out who I am. I like it. Yeah. But I'm, you're 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 pretty deeply involved in the Baraboo community, I'd say. I, I yeah, by default, that was like one of those things that just happened. You know, I oh, opened a business and um, I can do a lot of things, so I was tasked with yeah. a lot of things. I say yes too much. Um, I'm I'm getting better at that. Although I did say yes to doing a podcast on a Sunday morning at seven. <laughs> so yeah, but see, this is therapy though, so it's all <laughs> yeah, good. It's, it's, <laughs> This, this is, is like self therapy. help. <laughs> See, <Yes. you're> <laughs> there you go. I, can, I don't even have to read my book today. Probably no, no. Nope. You can leave that <laughs> fucker. The, the skip own chapter. Yeah. Skip chapter four. This this is it. Yeah. Skip chapter four. Um. Yeah. I. I don't know. I feel like I. I've got a lot. Ever. I. I don't even know how to explain that. <laughs> you got a lot going on. God, I don't know. You're a busy person. I? I know, I know, but I don't want to be a busy person. I'm like, I'm ready. Well, to be a busy there. person is the people that you're unfriending. Or there's like, you're just doing the same shit all the time. I was doing the same shit all the time. Yeah. Like even before pandemic, I was like, this has got to stop. Yeah. Things got to change. Well, I, there was a movement because I remember you went to see the Melissa Hollis thing. Rachel. Yeah, Rachel Hollis. And, and, and Melissa and, Hollis is a sings. She's a singer. Oh, now. so same difference. <laughs> She's a local. Anyway, a local. Rachel Hollis, yeah. Um, there's this big movement for a while. I think it started with Tony Robbins. Yeah. You know, where it's like, break it, break the mold. You know, step mm -hmm. out of yourself. Don't do this regular routine every single day. Yeah. And I think a lot of people just use that to make money because you feel so fucking great while you're there experiencing that thing. Yeah. But then you go home. Yeah. And when you go home, everybody at home didn't experience the shit you experienced. So, oh, right, which was crazy because I did go do a, a thing, a self-help, not self-help, but like a motivation. And I came home and I was like playing like dance music to get my kids out of bed. And my husband and my kids were like, what the fuck is going <laughs> on? Mom has been abducted by aliens. <laughs> it's That's the hardest part of going to a, yeah. a retreat like that is that when you get back, Everybody else is still living the life. The same thing. And 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 you're uh changed. Yeah. And and holding on to that nugget of change is really hard when everybody that you love wants you to be the you that you were before you left. Yeah, the giver, the 
Yep. Well, just, yeah, just that same person because, because it's uncomfortable because then they got to look at themselves a little bit. Yeah. And it's hard to communicate like what you're processing too. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had, I had a really good friend pass away pretty unexpectedly. And then I did this like, okay, I got to figure out what I'm going to do when I grow up because I got one freaking life to live. Uh, And that was about 18 months ago. So, and then we had pandemic, Mm -hmm. yeah, which through a whole crazy, you know, owning a business during the pandemic. I remember the day that we had to close at whatever, March 19th or whatever it was. Um, you know, up until that day, I was like, we're not closing. We're not closing. We're going to keep going. I have a staff of 27 people and I have been working in one direction for 15 years. Up, bigger, yeah. better. Yes, yes. And um, that day I had to go to work and tell everybody that we were closing that afternoon and I didn't know when we'd open back up and I didn't know how they were going to get paid and I didn't know what we were going to do with the product and I didn't know if we should clean out the refrigerator. You know, it was all these questions yeah. and I was like, mm-hmm. I, I don't even know. I remember telling one of my staff members, you know, we're, we're going to be closing and, and she's like, how long? And I said, a couple weeks. And she was like, two weeks. Like, I mean, in the end it was eight weeks. Right. Like, um, so is that, that's how long you had to stay closed? Is eight yeah, weeks? that's, that yeah. was the mandate that we were closed for. So that had been so fucking hard. It was so fucking hard. And people say like, what did you do while, you know, or while I was, while the pandemic, like I just, I binged watched, you know, whatever. I'm like, no, I sat at my computer for 12 fucking hours a day and tried to figure out what the next thing was. Tried to figure out how to pay my staff or should they go on unemployment or what the hell is PPP or can, do I qualify for an EIDL and when is that money going to show up? And, Mm -hmm. you know, um, so, so crazy. And, you know, and then we opened back up and not knowing, still not knowing, even we were just talking about the mask thing, like to wear a mask, not to wear a mask. We're still requiring masks, but it's becoming more difficult. There's so much gray area. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that gray area, there's opportunities. There's opportunities to make better decisions and to be, to break and to to have new stuff come out of it. And that's exactly what's happening for me, for my business, um, for all of us, I think. Yeah. It, it just, we have to choose how to respond to those opportunities. You know, are you going to, do you want to just go back to normal? Do you want to just get back to the way it was before as fast as possible? Or do you take the opportunity to make something different? Mm-hmm. And I love change. That's probably one of my like biggest weaknesses, I would say, is that I can pivot, I can move. And, Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes that makes it hard to like stay in the moment and work through something. Sure. Sure. Which has made marriage very difficult (laughs) for me. Well, the, 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 the ability to, to, to redirect energy as someone who's a leader is a, is a crucial skill. Yeah. You know, when you have 20 some staff looking to you for answers and you don't have them, but fucking you better come up with something. You know, you got to be able to pivot and move and change things quickly. But that, yeah, it doesn't always play into our personal lives very well. No. I mean, I just had an experience professionally. Um, I, I'm not for sure who's listening, but I'm just going to lay it out there. We um, we have a salon at the spa, and um, two of the staff, we only have two stylists in there, and they came to me and said, we want to start our own business, mm. which leaves me with a huge hole. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, what do I do now? They obviously have regular clients and so their clients will transition with them. Um, And for, you know, a hot second, of course, I was pissed off. Like, how how dare you do this? And then 
scared, like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? This represents a large, you know, a chunk of revenue. Um, and then quickly I was like, no, I'm going to do something different. Scratch that. We're done with that. We're going to move on to something mm-hmm. different, which feels so much better and easier and lighter than trying to rework the old thing. Yeah. So, yeah. um, and then I had a staff member that I was telling, uh, before we made the announcement that our salon was closing about this. And she was like, you're so amazing. You just like, it doesn't even phase you. Like you just <laughs> moved on to the next thing and like, it's going to be bigger and better than ever. And I was like, yeah, I guess that is one of my super. So the, my ability to change is probably my biggest weakness and my biggest superpower. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that word is with some things like a positive and a negative, but it's a positive and negative. It's <laughs> two words, <laughs> but I just, I'm just going to say this, like, clearly you're an amazing person. And if anyone who doesn't know you just listen to this, I hope that comes through because you're such an optimist. You literally just told me that the pandemic fucked your world. Fucked my world. (laughs) And you looked for the opportunities out of it. Like, who does that? Who's like, well, this is challenging, but there's an opportunity here. Like, what kind of awesome person thinks like that? Not me. (laughs) <laughs> not you people who work on their shit man yeah i mean That's... i've i've been working on my shit like my stack of self-help books is like taller than my shortest child yeah well kudos to you and thanks yeah. for joining us yeah. <laughs> yeah but i think we we all have that opportunity at different places in our life yeah i can't say that you know five years into my business i thought like that no and i think it's a mindset to your to your Definitely point like you are currently rocking just this awesome leader mindset of, yeah, shit's going to happen. I'm going to have two employees who are going to leave and part of my business is going to end so I can, but you're treating it as an opportunity. Yeah. And I'm sure those ladies are awesome and they're amazing. They are awesome. And I'm so grateful that, I mean, I knew, I knew there were things, I've been having conversations like this is what I can provide from you. And if that's not going to fill your bucket, then What's the next thing that yeah, is? And right. I've always done that with my staff. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want you to work for me if you don't want to work for me. If you if there's something out there, let's figure out how to get you to the next place. Because I don't want anyone working for me who doesn't love their job. Yeah. 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 Well, they're the face of As your, hard as that is. Finding people to work for you that loves their job? <laughs> I yeah. mean, yeah. just finding the right people. You know, once yeah. you, you bring somebody in and you train them and they're, you know, and most of our staff is, stays for five plus years. And then when they're ready to go after that sixth or seventh year, it's like, well. I think, I think that's a testament to your style of leadership. Absolutely. You know, uh, to um, honestly, to, to have a staff that sticks around that long, they believe in you. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a certain amount, like any company can be successful and have turnover like nobody's business. You have to have something to actually believe in, and it's usually somebody. Yeah. And they believe in you. And part of what they believe in is your ability to pivot, to get shit done, to be, to show up and say, no, we're going to be fine. It's going to be good. I don't know how that's going to happen, but but it's going to be fine. Right. (laughs) What they don't see is the hurricane that's going on inside, like how you manage that. What does that look like? Because how many times... Stephanie's told me, oh, Lacey just did this, and then Lacey's going here, and then she did this. And then I see you on a fucking Facebook post making cookies with your kids. I'm like, what the fuck? Who is- <laughs> then do you sleep? Like, when does this shit happen? I have zero idea when you get shit done. Like, it's like, what the hell? 
It, I get shit done in the moment. That is like, A, yes, I sleep. I sleep eight hours a day. When I'm up, I'm engaged, and I'm killing the world. And as soon as my head hits the pillow, I go to sleep, and I sleep for eight hours, and I don't wake up. Do you have like a routine? Do you have like a, do you take a bunch of vitamins and shit to help you like stay balanced? Or- <laughs> you know what? I, I do like the last couple of weeks, like I've been super crazy busy, so I'm... I have gotten to the place. I haven't always been like that in like the last 12 months. I do. Like I get up at 4.30. I go to the gym. I take CBD. I journal in the morning. Like I know if I have to be on top of my game, that's what I have to do. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not drinking. I'm not eating shitty food late at night. Like I have to sleep. I have to rest. And that's the only way I can like be engaged and productive. Mm. Well, see, all of those things that you just mentioned that you're not doing, those are the things that that we all use to numb ourselves Yeah. to like – so we're not feeling, you know, we can sit down with some shitty food and a movie at night and just go to bed and then get up in the morning and kind of feel groggy, but you don't have to face the, all the bullshit. But if you're on, well, then you got to face it. You got to be on. You got to be on. That's kudos to you because that's like, that's not easy to do. It is not easy. In the whole pandemic, I've, you know, and self-help uh, worked through some like Al-Anon type programming as well, just based on some stuff that's happening in my family structure, which has been super helpful um, just to identify those numbing coping skills mm-hmm. and try to avoid them. So the Al-Anon, um, that's, is that for families? Yep. Families of, of alcoholics? Uh, or yeah, how's addicts. that work? Addicts, yeah. addicts yep. in general. Yeah. I, it would have been awesome to have that kind of insight in my life when I when I was growing up, like yeah. in my twenties and thirties. Yeah, you know that would have been a beautiful thing. And it's just like this that step in that like somebody sometimes needs to just tell you it's going to be okay and this is how it's going to work, instead of just coping with alcohol and bad food and not exercising and. Yeah, Yeah, I think um, practicing self-care and not feeling guilty about practicing self-care about saying like. Uh, I, you know, no, we're not going to have pizza for dinner tonight because mm-hmm. I don't want to eat pizza and boundaries also. I mean, yeah. that that's what a lot of that has taught me and, and boundaries, not only with the addicts in my life or the, you know, but, um, learning about being codependent and, Oof. you know, stepping in speaking <laughs> of therapy. <laughs> uh, so I have been literally learning all of the things mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, it's it's going to take me personally to the next level because I feel like I was doing a good job at things before, but the, with the skill set that I'm learning, I uh, can take better care of myself. Mm. And that was what I was not doing before. Mm-hmm. Self-care is, uh, it's been this, it's kind of a buzzword. It is a right buzzword. Now. And there's sometimes when it just kind of makes me cringe, it's like, Self-care again today, and it's self-care again today, but it's, people are using it as, a, as like an Instagram post, you know, where it's like, are they really doing it, doing the work outside of this, this uh, like, hashtag self-care, you know? Um, I've got a buddy of mine. He's got 20 stacks of self-care books taller than your kid, and he's not doing the work. You know, you can read the books, and you can have the knowledge, but if you don't do it, Every single day, if you don't do the self-care, then then you're just, you're using it as a tool to like say that I'm trying when, yeah. you know, there's, so to see you actually doing it, that's a whole nother level because I think there's a whole industry built on keeping people in the self-care industry, oh, for you sure. know, yeah. 
But when, but they don't. Maybe they're not actually going to get better. They're not going to actually better themselves. They're just part of the machine. You yeah. know, buying the books, watching the videos, not seeing Rachel Hollis anymore because she done fucked up. <laughs> I'm so it's so funny that you follow Rachel Hollis. Yes, she is. She's mute right now. Yeah, she did. Well, I follow. I follow a lot of news, and and it's like I, I read world news, pop culture, whatever I can get my hands on generally in the morning, because that's part of my wake up routine. Yeah. It's how I wake my mind up, and and it's like, and I was reading about Rachel Hollis, and it's just like, whoa. Fucking hey, that's too bad for her, you know, because empire crashing. It is, but only because she was honest, though she was like she was vulnerable, and and it was in a um like a Zoom call or something, wasn't it? When it started, yeah. Yeah. It well, and she was honest, and she wasn't. So hopefully, don't get we don't get sued about this. So um, I I just I remember one of the big things that started the whole Rachel Hollis crash was that whole when she started podcasting. And she made a big podcast like how to make out with your husband. And then a week later, he filed for divorce. And it's like, <laughs> so you're told bullshit. Like you're, you're making content that's not real anymore. You know, so it's like if you're not, if you're not honestly representing who you are, people are going to walk, you know. I, I, I look at something like that and I think, did she get so far off of being authentic that she was just feeding the machine? Yeah. Right. That's yeah, that's sounds, sounds like it from an outsider. Yeah. Yeah. Who doesn't know shit about it? I, yeah. I think that's a powerful machine. Yeah. I mean, it's a big money making machine, but it also it's you get that little dopamine hit every time you every time you get a you you make a post, you know, yeah. it's like I think back to what you were saying about like self care and practicing self care and and whatever that is. I think the thing that's most important is that it's so small. So like, yeah, self-care is like, oh, I went for a hike today or Mm -hmm. I, it doesn't have to be fitness and health. It can be like, I said no to something today Mm -hmm. or I, I don't want to do that today. I think there's, they're like that human giver syndrome Mm -hmm. that's always like helping or feeding the, the, you know, sometimes those self-care things are so small. Yeah. So self-care has really been an umbrella that has boundaries in there and it has care about obviously self-care but mental health physical health you know making good choices for yourself saying no saying yes to some things and no to some things it's all under this self-care umbrella yes self-care umbrella yeah i feel like that's just like you said self-care is such a buzzword it's it's just a positive lifestyle (laughs) it is a positive lifestyle and it's a life it's a positive lifestyle that has you at the center yeah yeah. like unless you take care of you you can't take care of your kids unless you take care of you you can't be a good partner you can't take care of your job like and that was like a missing piece that i was never taught you know our grandparents or our dads Mm -hmm. you know they that's just not how i was taught no yeah it's like you take care of everybody at all costs to yourself yeah and i think what needs to be emphasized with these and it's the same thing with diets like i hate the word diet because i feel like when you say self-care and practicing self-care today it's like a temporary yeah oh yeah yeah like same with a diet like oh i'm dieting today mm-hmm. but it's temporary like you don't have to call it a diet just just do it just do have a lifestyle change yeah a nutritional lifestyle change or a self-centered lifestyle i'm gonna yeah. live a self-centered lifestyle and self-centered maybe is the wrong word because it sounds self-centered well but. but no it's everybody should be a little bit selfish yeah you have to be a little bit selfish you know and i i think what i what i hear you're saying and correct me if i'm wrong is 
and this is something I used to be really bad about, is when I would tell everybody in the world all the great things I want to do, I give away my power. And so it's like, like I'm excited about it. I'm going to go on a diet and I'm going to do these things. And the more I talked about it, the less I was going to do it. Because it was like I was letting everybody know, everybody else know how great it was going to be. But it took, it took away the energy behind it, yeah. you know. So Like wasted I, energy. It's, it's yeah. wasted energy. So, so instead of telling the world I'm doing self-care, I'm telling myself. Because really at the end of the day, self-care. You, it's the only, you, that's the one important person. Else. No, it doesn't matter to the whole fucking world. That's one of the things I fucking hate about social media. I just yeah. fucking hate it because it puts so much emphasis on what the world thinks of what I'm doing that it's like, I don't want to put anything out there. Like, what the fuck is it for? It's not for me. You know, it's not for you. It's for everybody else to see this, you know. Persona. Persona, yeah. you know. And as a leader, you didn't send your crew a text that said, we're going to be out for two weeks minimum. No. no, you showed up, you know, and you and you sat with them in the fucking garbage and the shit to say, this is where we are together, yeah. you know? And it's like, that's that's more powerful than anything. Yeah, and I was honest. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I'm scared too. Yeah, like, that's awesome. Yeah. Going into little, the unknown. Give me a little here. chill there, Lace. <laughs> Gave me a little spinal chill. That was spinal chill. I think the other thing that I've learned about like, um, and I'm just going to say self-care again, boundaries. As a giver, what I was doing was I was like constantly giving to people who didn't ask me for things. Mm. So I felt like at at three o'clock when my kids got home from school, I needed to be home because they were home. And I needed to be there because my husband was going to get off work. Like he didn't ask me to do that. But and then and then when he did ask me to do something, I was like resentful for it because I was like, I'm doing all these things. I'm making dinner and I'm home sitting here when I could be at work getting something done. Or, um, and so that was one of the things that I've stopped doing. Is like if I need to do something, then I I like respect him enough to say. Hey, I'm not going to be home tonight. I'm going to do this, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I'm explaining it well. But, I understand what you're saying, but I'm completely. I'm like I'm I'm not doing of th- things for people that they don't ask me to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like, absolutely. Yeah, you're not it, because it creates an, 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 an imbalance in in like uh, um, personally. If, and yeah, like I said, this is what I'm hearing you say. Hey, this is a little therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm hearing you say is that when you're always constantly thinking about everybody else, you know, so you schedule your life around everybody else's and shit. And what they might need. And what they might need. Even though right? they're not asking you for it. So then, so then you're, when you say to them, I've been doing all this shit for you day in and day out. And they're just like, whoa, hang on. I didn't ask you to do that shit. Right. And you're like, oh, fuck. So it's not about you. <laughs> it's about me and my stuff. Me you know? wanting to anticipate your needs. Yeah. Right, yeah. exactly. And I did I mean I do it with my staff too and it's like mm-hmm. when I get to the place where I'm like, well, if they need me, they will ask for me. Yeah. And that is a little bit of a difficult transition because everybody's used to you being available. Right. They so, want the old lazy. Yeah. Well, but, I think as as a boss there's something to be said about empowering people to do their fucking job without having to call you 24/7. Yes, and I th- I feel like I've made that same transition as I'm making these other changes in my life and creating boundaries. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm so excited to see the 
positive capacity of my staff now that I've said, I don't know, do it. And and before I was a, um, I was a very hands off leader, mm. but I would mm-hmm. show up in the ninth hour and correct things. Oh, you know? sure. Yeah. So I've stopped doing that. Stopped correcting. Well, I haven't stopped or correcting. Stop. I've, I've started guiding a little more yeah. mm-hmm. and less like, no, just take care of it. And then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. So, little more guidance up front, but a little less what I, scraping up the pieces What I after. had to do was I had to stop being trying to be present for everyone to create the space to be present when they needed me. Because I was doing the same thing with my staff. I was trying to anticipate everybody's needs, mm-hmm. and that was taking up so much of my time. So when they really needed me, I wasn't available. Or I was resentful that they needed me because I'd been there. Right. Mm -hmm. I was here the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think is the key to parsing that out to getting to that point where you can, you can allow, you can give them some guidance and not have to pick up the pieces in the ninth hour where they can trust you that you're going to be there when they ask you to be there if they need you. But at the same time, you're not trying to all spend your whole day anticipating what everybody needs. I think it goes back to letting things break. You have to let people fail. Okay. And then when they fail, we can then we can understand that system a little better together. See what's working and what isn't. What isn't, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And where are the where are the pain points? Okay. Did I answer your question? Yeah, yeah. Kyle? You're doing it too. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's doing he's, it. Well, he's he's, he's running the staff here. He's running the staff here, and it's like, what is the what's that? What's that key to to um, allowing them to do what they need to do and and give empowering them, making them feel like they know what they need to do when they start their job without having to come to you every five minutes? You know. Yeah, I think it's just expectations, being upfront about it, still being available though. I don't know. Like I struggle with it, and that's why I was asking. Like one of the struggles I have is, okay. Three of my full-time staff have to do a quarterly report for a federal grant. They have to fill it out because they track everything. Do I really need to, as their supervisor, send them the reminder that, hey, your quarterly report for this thing is due on this date. You have three days to do it. Please do it. (laughs) Like, is that really necessary? That's hard because your funding depends on it. So you want to make sure it gets done. Ultimately, I'm responsible for it to be done. Right. Right. You can't, that's not a situation where you can let it fail. Right. And then they can, okay, well, you let it fail. Then you don't get the funding. Then they lose See, their job. So I think in our <laughs> setting, like I, to some degree, yeah, like I'm going to let you fuck up knowing you're going to fuck up so that you learn from this. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of things that like here specifically, I can't let get fucked up mm-hmm. because a kid will be put in a safety situation or Absolutely. a funding will be jeopardized or yeah you know what i mean and so there's a lot of yeah that's what i struggle with right now i think is what is that balance point one thing that i started doing about a year ago with my leadership team which is excruciating on my end but it's been super helpful is 90 day performance evaluations Mm. like um and it's not even really a performance evaluation i think it's called like a leadership conversation or something like that and so there's a form they get an audit by their other managers like where are they at um and so we can specifically identify identify opportunities for them to improve yeah and 
it's really time consuming. Like ours are just coming back around and I'm like, okay, there's three days of my life, (laughs) but they've been super helpful and they give me an opportunity to have, you know, even in in any relationship we were talking about trying to create space to have like a real conversation, not like a, did you pick up the laundry conversation? And it gives us that space, which is why I knew that Tiffany was probably going to leave the salon Mm -hmm. because in Mm -hmm. our previous conversation, we had talked about that, you know, and, and I had really like at that point given her permission to pursue other opportunities. Sure. Like mm-hmm. this is what I can provide for you here. And if that's not enough for you, I can understand that. And then we need to figure out what the next thing is. So that was my last conversation with her. So I wasn't completely yeah, surprised. You excited by it. Yeah. 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 Um, I know I do a lot of like leadership, personal leadership stuff where I'll send out to the, to the people I supervise we call them 360 feedbacks and it's just i send them out you know like quarterly let's say of it's the same thing it's like hey what could i be doing better to help you succeed essentially yeah Mm -hmm. but that's more around my style versus their ability to do a job yeah so i don't know i don't know i will say you know i've really shifted a lot i think we talked about education a couple episodes ago ike and it's i started there's a we shifted here where we hire for the pe- person personality and personality a mm-hmm. lot more than we do on qualifications. Right. I was yeah. having a conversation with my wife about this a long time ago um, where sh- they're short staffed and it's, it's like, well, if we don't hire someone who's qualified, we have to spend X amount of time X training, and training them and we're already short staffed. So it's just easier to find someone qualified. If your qualified person is going to stick around for six months or someone who fits your culture it's going to stick around for three years. Right. It's probably a good investment. That's huge. Yeah, I hiring definitely for think yeah, hiring for personality. Yeah, so yeah. when you hire people, I mean, you said 27, 20-something staff. What What are some key factors? I mean, you're kind of specialized maybe, but. um, It's definitely personality. How are mm-hmm. they going to fit into the mix? Mm-hmm. How are they going to, um, you know, at, because we have so much senior staff, the great part is they really kind of self-vet. Yeah. Like if somebody doesn't fit the culture, right. they don't last long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like I know within 60 seconds of meeting somebody whether oh, yeah, I, I want them to work for me or not. Okay. I Like you just pre-vet people when they send in resumes and you look up their Facebook profile, even though you're not supposed to. I was just going to say, that's illegal. <laughs> it is. It is, but it's you com- want to. It's, it's completely illegal, and we do not do that. It's completely <laughs> illegal, but you want to see like the face before you meet them in person, just so you know who you're looking for in a crowd, right? As as illegal as it is, everybody does that. I think so too. I think I think every every kid I know, and every like every time we had a session when we had the guys group when we brought mentors in, people are like, "Don't put stupid shit on your Facebook because employers look at that." Yeah. Yeah. And and it's like, yeah, it's real. Because it's it's they're getting a taste of the real you. Well, especially to a with degree. Facebook applications now. It's like, yeah, that is true. If there, I can see your a... Facebook profile picture yeah. on your Facebook application, like that's gonna, even if it you're not, it's not supposed to. Like it's automatically gonna leave some presence in my mind. Oh yeah, absolutely. Of who you are. Yeah. And so first if, impressions. If your Facebook profile picture is mm-hmm. a presumed post sexual interaction of you and your partner in a messy bed 
This with, is very specific cut Without clothes on. Like, I'm going to have a bad impression on you immediately. And yeah, that's very specific because that's happened recently. Yeah. Or, or you're like your face in a cloud of smoke. Like, yeah, right. like okay. Yeah, or like holding a, 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 an AR-15 with like death to whoever across your shirt or a ch- your chest yeah. tattoo. And it's like, okay, let's, yeah. So I, it's, I don't know if I want to put you in a truck right. with my kid. So my, okay, here's a question. It is illegal. And no one does it, right? I don't do it. I don't. You do don't it. do no. it. Uh-uh. But Never should we it. be able to do it legally? I think it's public. It wouldn't be any I, different if there was a right. a magazine article written about you, yeah. or uh, and honestly, you're the one who has con- complete control over oh, your yeah. social media content. Yeah, you can put shut that it stuff. Down. Put that yeah. security settings on high and have a yeah. nice Facebook it's, profile. It's picture. a public profile. If you if you have a public profile, yeah. it's like seeing a guy walking down the street or a gal walking down the street. It's like, that's who's your potential new hires yeah. right there. You yeah. know, true. Are they, you know, yeah. Uh, I, so, I mean, I, I, just to clarify, none, not, none of us do it. No, we don't. Correct. No, I've never done that. Never. Me either. I, don't, I, I don't, just only see profile pictures when they apply on Facebook, but I don't have preconceived judgments based on that. Well, so I don't have a, I don't have a large staff like you guys do, but when I meet somebody, you know, it's like, not that I look at their Facebook profile, but if I did, I would be looking at guys like, okay, so I work, you work heavily with the public. I work heavily with the public. I'm on people's properties mm-hmm. all the time. And it's like, I don't, if somebody looks threatening or scary looking to a 80 year old woman who's paying a lot of money for, for them to weed her garden, it's like, there's a level of, it's, it's almost like professionalism. It's professionalism. Yeah, it's, professionalism. it's, it's um, customer interactions, even if they don't even get near them there's just there's a yeah that there's the things you look for in people and um you know I, I think that maybe it's just lost in the younger generation like if you're gonna come in to get an application you're gonna physically walk in and you're applying for a job for kids are you gonna wear a belly shirt see-through a belly see-through shirt that i can see your bra underneath mm-hmm. that's the impression you're gonna give right and then say oh yeah i'll work with kids uh, are you no, it's a it's so. a different world it's just a different world. You know, it's, I think that, that the ideas of work now compared to the ideas of work when we were younger is a whole different ball game. Well, and I think that level of professionalism, you know, I think about, I think about those grandpas out there. I think about my grandpa, you know, and it's like, like your integrity yeah. is so important. And with social media, um, I think some of that's been lost. Mm-hmm. I think, and I think they're in all the, in the seventies, even in the fifties that we watch mad men, you know, I mean, there was sex, drugs and rock and roll, Yeah, but there was a level of integrity yeah, um, that sometimes is lost, I think now, but maybe not any different than it was in the seventies or the eighties. Well, every generation more, has yeah. their different version of it. Yeah. It, it's just more public. Yeah. yeah. It's just putting more public. it on social. Yeah. yeah I think it lasts the, forever. The social media aspect of it in today's generation, I think, is the real game changer for all of it. Yes. Is, is that, and it changes people's minds. It changes the way they operate and the way they think and how they perceive themselves and others, you know, and it's, it's uh, the, the cold hard reality of sitting in front of somebody is, is lost on, on people nowadays. I believe not all people, but younger people where a, they don't know what to think. They don't know how to show up. They don't know how to present themselves and and to communicate is so difficult because, you know, I, I hear my stepson, he communicates a lot 
on his video game yeah. system and the way he communicates is like, holy shit, this is how we talk to each other now. But, yeah. um, but to show up for a job interview, it's like someone's got to teach them, sit down with them and help them through that, what integrity is. And uh, is that being lost? That opportunity to sit down with our kids and walk them through this is what integrity is. This is how important it is and how you present yourself to the world. You know, are we, are we losing connection with our, with our kids younger? See, I don't know. I feel like there's classes. Like I feel like in high school or something like you have classes that walk through it. Maybe it's just in one ear and out the other though. What classes are those? Maybe I'm making this shit up. I don't know. I don't know about they these took classes. took those out of the curriculum. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they, they couldn't afford them. Home ec. I mean, yeah. we hit on it here. Oh, sure we do. Here we do. Um, yeah. And I'm not saying like parents are, are are like failing. I'm just saying it's a it's it's different now. Yeah, like, like the when I would if I applied for a job, my goal would be to impress you. Mm. Yeah, and to have you feel comfortable hiring me, and make an impression that you want me there. Right, mm-hmm. that's my goal. Like when I walked in for this job, it's working with kids. I walked in with a three piece suit. Yep, like you just wa- for the job you wanted. Yeah, yeah even though it was 13,000 times the amount of dress code that I probably should have wore, <laughs> but it was a job interview. Yeah. And that might've made a difference. I don't know. And so if you walk in with, and an, I don't know, fishnet stockings. Yeah. Fishnet stocking. Like what are you trying to portray? And I, so maybe yeah. that part is lost or there's just not a, maybe, maybe society, this is going to be, this is where I reach really Deep. far. No, really far. Like this is just me trying to connect dots, like in the weird mad scientist red line thing. Maybe we've put on kids so much to be comfortable with who you are that there isn't a level like fishnet stockings, see-through shirt, whatever. This is who I am. And I should get a job because this is me. I don't know. I think there is like there's there's got to be like some weird balance there because you're right. We're talking about self-love and being self-centered and like respecting our own um, ideals. But there is a level of showing up and um, impressing someone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think we're talking about like two different things. It's like what is the what's the middle ground? Right. you don't have to impress someone. You can just be yourself, you know, but when you show up for a job interview, right? like you do want to bring yourself, you want to show up authentically, but you also need to show up professionally. And that might be outside of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Fishnets mm-hmm. are your comfort zone. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a two, it's two different worlds mm-hmm. trying to balance, finding the balance in that. Yeah. Because on one hand, you don't want to tell someone, don't be yourself, you know, but right. on the other hand, you want to tell someone, listen, you need to, you need to dress like maybe you don't normally dress because this is something you really want and need. It's yeah. like, well, if they don't love me for who I am, then I don't need it. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, you kind of do because you're getting kicked out of the house in six months. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's no different than, you know, with you, you said, you know, if you go to an old lady's house to garden, she needs to be comfortable with you. Well, what if I'm comfortable in face and neck tats no absolutely you know what i mean i so yesterday i had to return a battery to a local uh store where you return batteries and there was a (laughs) a young fella working there and he had uh um why satan die tattoo running down the side of his face and i was like holy shit that's permanent you know but this guy still needs a job 
And when I was talking to him, I might have been the most genuine, awesome, I engaged with him and he was a decent dude, you know, but it's like, so he has a past and everybody has a past that's going to catch up on us. It's just how we show up. So he can show up and he, he had, um, his work uniform on, but he had these tattoos at the same time. It's like, okay, so he's bringing the best part of himself that he can given the decisions he's made in his past, but he was, he did, he was professional, did a good job. So it's like, there's, it's hard. Yeah. It's a right. Hard, it's this weird balance of yeah. BU, but they're still. Yeah. And accepting people for who they are, seeing them at, at like, but people still judge. People still well, have yeah. preconceived notions. Well, and, and I think, I don't uh, think that's going to go away. No, I don't think no, so. No, but I think companies are figuring out ways to, to embrace that because um, even in professional, very professional, think about um, tech companies, you mm-hmm. know, there's definitely, yeah. th- there's more latitude now in how you dress or oh, how yeah. you show up for yeah. work or, yeah. you know, even workspaces. Think about like people don't have offices anymore. They don't even have cubicles. They're yeah. like Indian style on the floor in a bean bag mm-hmm. with their MacBook. Yeah. Um, they float around and they yeah. do their thing and, and, and there's companies that are being developed specifically to help uh, very what would have been considered formal industries pivot into informal. You know how to how for them how to understand. I don't even think it's millennials anymore. What's the next younger generation? I, there's too many. Yeah. There's too many. But um, for uh, Wall Street companies to be able to. Because they're they're gonna have to conform to yeah. how you these kids want to wanna work. Yeah. yeah. If you need um, but if you need people, if you need people, you're gonna have to figure out how to work with with the new generation. And I do think you know um, each generation obviously has their own thing. And you know for so long people talked kind of about millennials and how they were. I don't say lazy isn't the right word, but they have they definitely have a focus on work life balance. Oh yeah. And they have they have way better boundaries than I do or I did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Same. Um, but I think for me, I'm learning from them like, oh, wait a second. I don't need to work 90 hours a week. Like if it doesn't get done, it's not going to get done. Mm -hmm. And maybe I just have too much on my plate. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think you gave millennials a very positive light there. (laughs) I know. I, well, I, I, because I'm the optimist. optimist. I know. I know. What can I learn from these people? Like I have to, I'm going to have to work with them. Mm -hmm. They're going to be my staff. So what can I learn from them? And honestly, like, I feel grateful for that, that I've, that's, I don't have to work that hard. Mm -hmm. Well, every generation changes the world a little bit. Yeah. Right. And they're changing, I think they're changing the world a little bit more. Yeah. They're really throwing a wrench and shit and the 90 hour work weeks and the not taking care of yourself and, and not taking time for your family, not taking vacations because I got to get this shit done. And they need to how like the, the American yeah. dream, right? Like yeah. the house and the yeah. car and the, and that's and it. so it's, I think with that, it's, it's a balance to your point. They've taken it. They are, they imparting a little bit more. I think in some cases it's gone into a, a case of entitlement, right? Like, I'm entitled I don't disagree with that to in a new situations. house. Like, yeah, I don't absolutely. have to work. Yeah, I live here. I well, should have a house. It's like that. Those, those like uh, now today on House Hunters, Jack raises salamanders yeah. for a living, and Karen crochets hats for babies. Their their budget is three point two million. It's like what the fuck? 
<laughs> it's like, no, that's not life. You can't raise salamanders and live in this penthouse. Yeah. It doesn't work. I don't like white granite. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, there is, there, it's, there are extreme levels yeah. of it. You know, but it's like, there's always extremes, right? Look at the 70s and the the hippie movement. And it's like, there was some fucking extremes. People went off the deep end, you know? And Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Yeah. So can you take the extreme and scale it down to a reasonable level of, okay, yeah, I don't need to work 90. And I think in the Midwest, we're a little insulated from that. I think on the coast, it's definitely at the extreme. But where we still do have, Uh, like, the Midwestern values. I hire younger people and you can call it work-life balance i will call it work ethic there's something that's stressful as an employer there is is my so when you say the coasts and we're a little insulated here our insulation is so much less than it used to be because of social media because of access to information so i think younger kids to what maybe what he's saying is like they see what life is like over there all the time. They see the TikTok house and they see people making millions of dollars on freaking GameStop stocks and doing crazy shit and unveiling. Going to, what's the, what's the big music fest in Southern Coachella? California? Yeah, Coachella. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah, all of that shit. They see it all the time and that's what they want as a younger generation. It's like, fuck yeah, who doesn't want that? You know, so I yeah. think what you're... Or it's like, oh yeah, I'm scheduled to work but i decided uh the next three days i'm just gonna go on a mini road trip so i'm gonna not be in mm-hmm. like mm, you can plan that ahead of time but not like moment at the moment can you mm-hmm. because we rely on you right yeah i do i think that is a that's definitely um but Lacey, accountability it's accountability it's self-care oh, it's, they need to get out Lacey. it's self-care <laughs> That's where See, that's, it's that's all where this weird balance. That's shit. where like, self care gets. That's everything gets a has, abused, has an extreme. Right? Yeah, everything has an extreme version of it. There's an extreme version of self care. There's an extreme version of BLM. There's all these things that are generally good and have a a good purpose, but there's someone's going to take it and and capitalize on the movement. And I'm you know? just giving you shit that. That actually ever happened to me. So. No, but I, I, I like I could see that out of my staff. My, my staff's super responsible and super reliable. But, but as an adult, I also have been saying things like um, pre-pandemic, pre-self-care movement for Lacey. I had said one like, okay, so I've all these balls in the air, right? I've got my business, I've got my family, I've got downtown Baraboo, I've got whatever I'm juggling. Greatest place on earth. K Welsh Woodworks, Gateway Power Sports, <laughs> all the businesses. I have all the balls in the air, and nobody teaches us how to like bend over and set one ball down. Mm, right. So that's why people break and they drop all the balls because you don't you don't know how to yeah. set one down. You yeah, can't yeah. like how do I take just one out? I just gotta like lighten my load a and little bit. And then you lose your shit. And completely. then you lose your shit because you're like, I fucking give up. I can't yeah, do yeah, it anymore. Yeah, and they yeah. all fall, and then yeah. you have a midlife crisis. Yeah. Or you know you yeah. do those terrible things, get divorced. You know, yeah. do self harm. Go, go on a crazy fucking road trip. Yeah. Go on a crazy road trip. Sell all your shit. Go on a crazy <laughs> yeah, road right. trip. Buy a camper van. <laughs> yeah. Do crazy shit. Um, and just to be clear, I'm all for like a personal day. Like if you need to take a personal day, take a personal day. Well, you, yeah, that's why they, that's why they exist for sure. Right. But accountability to your point, when you, when you are accountable to something greater than yourself, 
Like you have to take care of yourself so you can show up wholly while you're there, but understanding that there's still, there's a, you're part of a bigger picture still, you know, we're not an Island, you know? And and I think that's the part where it gets a little muddy is people want to put themselves on an Island and say, it's all really about me. And I'm going to show up in fishnet stockings. If you don't like me, I'm my own Island. I don't give a shit, you know, where it's like, okay, well, you don't, we can't get through this alone. We really can't. Like we need people big time, even though maybe people don't want to admit it. It's like, we need each other. Mm. You know, this is, this is like, at the end of the day, it's for me anyway, it's one of the most important things in the world is, is having people. Interpersonal relationships. Yeah. Well, and we, if we could communicate well and, and be honest and be vulnerable, we can help build each other up as people, not just like building businesses and making money, you know, mm-hmm. it's beyond that. And I was going to mention earlier that our, our model is the American way of constant growth, constant making more, constant creating more, having bigger, having better all the time. It doesn't leave room for, for self-care. It doesn't leave room for anything else. And, or personal growth. Or personal mm-hmm. growth. Yeah. And to have personal growth, you have to have space to have that. Right. You have to, something has to break. You have to not go to a baseball game or not go to a party or not go on that vacation or whatever it is. Maybe vacation's not a bad, good example, but to have growth because you have to have space. You have yeah. to have clarity. And if so, your head's just full of all the shit all the time. Mm-hmm. So as parents, all three of us, how do we impart that on our kids to, because they're the ones, right? Like we got our shitty tool bags from our shitty parents' tool bags that they got from their shitty parents' tool bags. How do we change that for our own kids? You know, how do we create that for them? You know, because <clears throat> honestly, like when I see my adult children and I, if I see them acting responsibly, doing well in life, not focusing on the little shit and taking care of themselves while still having accountability and integrity, it blows my mind. You're winning. It's like there's nothing in the world that feels better than that, you know? And it's just like, holy shit, I, I made a good human, <laughs> you know? and maybe through, they, through a lot of adversity. Right, yeah. Through a lot of breaking. A lot a of lot breaking. A lot of breaking and accepting the breaking and moving through it and growing from it and Taking the Tough fucking shit. courses and counseling and all of that shit, you know? And it's like, I tell my kids, it's like, counseling's fucking huge. Go do it, like, right now, because <laughs> it's going to change your life. When I was a kid, who all is, you've been to counseling? Mm-hmm. Individual, you, I know you've been individual. I've been individual so much of it. The first time I ever went to an individual counselor was like, on the urge of somebody who cared about me, like, you need to get your shit straight. So I was like, fuck this. I, I don't need somebody to tell me what's wrong with me. It's like, I'm actually pretty good, you know? So I walked in, and, there, and it was a very clinical situation, and the woman's got this nice, big, beautiful desk, and she's got her pad and a little tape recorder, and I'm like, oh, here it is. It's just like the movies. And there was three chairs in front of her table. So I stood in front of the chairs. I go, what does this one mean? And I pointed at the chair on the right. She goes, Excuse me? And like, well, it's got to mean something. If I sit in here, right? If I sit in this chair, then I'm this kind of person. But if I sit in this, she's like, you're, uh, you're taking this a little too seriously. I'm like, no, I don't think so. You're going to analyze me where I sit in this chair. I was super combative because I didn't want to do it because it's fucking scary. Yeah. You know? But it's so important. 
Yeah, I remember similar, like, first count. God, I was probably, like, middle school or something. And just being like, fuck you. You don't know me. You can't fix this. Yeah. God, if I'd have just, like, been open to it and not so hostile. And in middle school? That's fucking hard to do in middle school. I I sent my kids a counseling early, like, when they were in middle school. And one of my kids was that. You know, the the counselor's like, yeah, he won't even talk. He's just, like, sitting here going, yeah, okay, mm, whatever. One kid cries his eyes out, and the other one's too young to even have a fucking clue. But it's like, it's so, yeah. So did you go to, a, like, a full-on clinical psychologist when you were young? I think it was a family counselor. Okay. Just angry. Yeah. Just an angry kid. Just young and angry. Who's yeah. not? Just young and angry. <laughs> right, who isn't? Being yeah. young and angry. But who I think isn't? back to your... um question Ike about like how do we impose that I think I'm I'm currently reading a book <laughs> and I uh about becoming a better grown-up and it's oh. really about just like um being joyful in your life and like teaching your kids that like life doesn't have to be that fucking hard mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be that big of a deal Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I say that a lot to people like I'm trying to teach that to a three year old right now <laughs> when he can't stay outside and play. <laughs> but we do have to take a bath and go to bed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, all of that, like, how do you how do you have good, healthy boundaries with your kids and create structure for them? But like, don't forget to just fucking have fun once in a while. Right. Like, yeah, like that doesn't matter if the house is clean. Like, you know, just trying to remember that stuff like. You know, you have to teach them to not wear fishnets to a job interview. <laughs> but yeah. someday they might wear fishnets to a job interview, and, and then they're going to have to deal with the consequences of right. that. And if the consequences, you don't have a job, and you can't live here, and now you have to go live on your friend's couch, that sucks, mm-hmm. but that's, that's the real world. And I think um, insulating those consequences from our, our kids or our significant others or our family or our friends, um, is not good. Like people have to face their own consequences. And that's part of like the Al-Anon principles. Like we all have choices in life. People don't have bad luck. They make bad choices. Mm, Anytime you look at somebody who's in a bad luck situation, Yeah. They made a bad choice somewhere along the line. Yeah. There's like a little bit of luck that plays a factor, but not much. Yeah. Like they chose to buy a new TV with their stimulus money instead of put that extra $500 like in a savings account somewhere for the day that they needed it when the tire blew out of their car. Yeah. Right. You know, whatever the situation is, it's like we all got to show up and be responsible for our own shit. Yeah. Well, that's like personal accountability, I think. And with kids. Teaching them young is, you know, let them ride their bike with their shoes untied. Yeah. Because you know what happens? Let them fail. You're going to eat shit big time. And and then they're going to remember. Because if you tell them to tie their shoes every time they go to get on their bike, they're going to be like, well, mom didn't tell me to tie my shoes before I got on my bike. So it's her fault. You know? And it's like, whoa. You know? And it's modeling every single day. I think part of being in front of our kids every single day just them seeing what we're doing is so important. Like they see us have discussions. They see us communicate. They see us get in arguments and then it's okay. 
you know, but they also see us clean in the fucking house and they say, that's important. We need to do this. I think there's so much more unspoken that we can give our kids. Yeah. But we, I think we've been, I've been taught and have been shown like, you have to talk to them all the time. You got to tell them what to do all the time. You got to always get in deep conversations. It's like, you don't have to, you, if you just show them what, it, what like being an adult and being a grown up looks like, there's so much power in just letting them observe. And I can't have the expectation that they're going to do what I'm doing when they're 14. Right. But when they're older and they, and you see, and I see my kids doing it, it's like, Oh, Hey, they actually saw it or they heard it or, or whatever. And so what I wonder to that point is because we're so connected, because we're such a phone society and a computer society, are they seeing the modeling? Are the opportunities to see modeling and have good modeling opportunities, do they, are they the same? Like are we losing that sense of connection where um, we're seeing how other people treat each other, mm-hmm. you know? I feel like we are. I feel like. Yeah, I think it's really, I mean, as like on a trend standpoint, yeah. On an individual standpoint, it's just a super circumstantial. Like I will, for instance, I have a, let me just add it, month day, a nine month old now. And it's just, if you pull out your phone, that's the first thing he sees and he's crawling and it's the first thing he'll go for. Yeah. And so it's. Like, I guess, yeah, I'm modeling to him, like, yeah, this is fun. This, this is, is important. This is cool. This is nice to see and play with. So keep the fucking phone away. <laughs> Put it away. I don't know. Yeah. Like, that's, as a really, a, that's a really little kid example, but, but, as but a, it's real. That as a, um, I don't even, I think I'm like, I'm right on the edge of millennial and gen. X, Z, Y. I don't, I don't yeah. know. It's so confusing. Uh, but I can't, It's it bothers me when I go out to dinner. Like, so we, our kids, we've taken our kids out to dinner since they were little. And I've never, and I'm not judging, I've never taken a tablet or a, mm-hmm. but oh, like when you're like them. at a table and there's like three kids with tablets and it's like, they're losing the art of like, that's like when we sit around a table, whether we're at home or out to dinner, like, we engage with them mm-hmm. and I, I get it. Sometimes you need to just like buy yourself some time if you want to visit with your friends, but uh, it's hard for me to see that. Yeah. Like it's hard to be like, no, sometimes you just need to sit there and be quiet and listen to adults talk. I know it's boring, but it'll be okay. Yeah. It's not going to last forever. Well, and then you see adults at the table. Yeah, all of them. Two, two, I, I went to dinner or lunch yesterday with a buddy of mine and there was a couple sitting there and they were, they weren't even looking at each other. They weren't talking to each other. She was watching a TV show on her phone. Jeez. And he was on his phone doing something. I couldn't see his phone, but she was right next to me. And it's like, what is going on? They're literally there for out. just, yeah, yeah you're literally there for just the food. <laughs> why, why are you, why are you sitting out in this beautiful sunshine on this fantastic patio? And there's conversations and energy and there's dogs and all this beauty going around you. And you're lost in this thing. And maybe they just grew up with a tablet in their hand. Yeah. yeah. You know? I mean, I know like. Or they're, we, or they're hiding. Or they're hiding from yeah. their problems because that's yeah, a great certainly. way to hide from yeah. problems. Yeah. It's like yeah. just as good as alcohol Yeah, drugs. man. Yeah. Candy crush. So I know, it's like, at. <laughs> like if we go to lunch or something, like I feel guilty if my phone rings. Yeah. Yeah. I hate it. Right. It's like, it's like, because you know, like if it's work or something, it's like, fuck. Yeah. I'm really sorry. 
I I don't want to have to take this, but I kind of got to take this. Yeah. You know. But you and I, like, if we're out, you know, and we're hanging out at a place, like, and someone calls us, like, we look at it. If it's urgent, like, I'm really sorry. Otherwise, yeah. silence that shit. Yeah. And it goes back in the pocket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, agreed. But. So. We're, like, it, a slightly different generation. Yeah. But, but I mean, maybe if people just modeled that, like, be present. Well, back so, to this, you know. That I, think that, a, I think that's what we kind of learned during, at least I learned during COVID, like, just being present. Mm-hmm. I learned during COVID that my life is now on a computer. <laughs> I, I Well, I think there's different people people got different things out of it a lot of people got a lot of different things out of it people live in different kinds of lives you know um they i read the statistic the other day that um three times the amount of people at 55 are retiring early now Mm. because yeah one life they lived in corporate america for so long they made scads of money stock markets fucking rocking out and they're like i could retire right now at 55, I could do whatever I want. I could move to some smaller town and buy a house, which is we're seeing in the housing prices right now. And, and I could live my best life, you know? And so there's this huge movement to retire early, to spend more time on self, to, to take a breath. Now, I wonder, this is my, I'm, I'm an optimist on so many levels, but when I see that, I just wonder how long is that going to last? Cause I think you need a purpose. I think that's where it gets a little muddy is there's a great grand idea of like getting out of, of the work life and, and taking care of me. I'm on a vacation, but after so much time, it sucks. It's yeah. boring as hell. Like I can only go on vacation for so many days before I'm like, okay. Yeah, anxious just, to get back to work. Well, anxious like to, not to, not to work, but to feel like I, I have a reason to get up in the morning. Yeah. You know, people need to have a reason to wake up. You know, I think if, if, if you get up in the morning every single day and you're like, eh, what am I going to do today? There's, that's not living. Well, that's you know? where, you know, they would, I think it turns in if the individual has like the desire, like the ability, like, are they going to search out to be on a local board and volunteer? Are they going to go, you know, at right. the club, are they going to go work or volunteer two days a week and help with kids or something like that? Like. It's just the ability to find something to do because I, I can't. Okay. Yeah, I'd love to retire early, but yeah, like you said, I don't want to wake up every day and be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to watch this show. I'm going to, I'm going to read this book. Maybe yeah. I'll make some lunch. Uh, yeah. And, take a nap. Uh, I'll probably take a nap around Specifically one. <laughs> though, what is concerning about that specific situation that you just mentioned is those people who work in corporate America have structure. Yeah. Somebody told them what to do every single day. Like, right. like for me, if I left my jobs, I would fill that space with all the other things. Right. Uh, but for somebody who doesn't have that like entrepreneurial mindset to like, what's the next thing or how can I help? Or, you know, am I going to rehab a house or what am I going to do? I think that could be horrific. (laughs) And that's what I'm, that's what I'm wondering for these people in that specific position. Everybody's like, Oh, I'm going to retire early. And it's like, "Mm, I want to see how this plays out. Cause I I don't think it's going to be all sunshine and roses for the rest of their lives because, because they went through this period of understanding, Oh, I can take care of myself a little bit. And, oh, I've got all this money and I want to spend time with my kids, which is fucking awesome. But 
if you're used to working 80 hours a week and all of a sudden you're spending 80 hours a week with your kids. (laughs) And your significant other. Right. It's like, oh, I got to get the fuck out of here. But that's the breaking. Right. That's That's the breaking. breaking. And then you'll figure out what the next thing is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's your second career? Yeah. It might not be the thing that you thought it was going to be. Right. But you have to be open to that. Right. That's the beautiful part. Right. Well, I think um, our board member, previous board member, uh, Shout out to Mark, who's never going to listen to this either. He's a police chief. He just retired, and now he's uh, selling tr- selling uh, cars up in Toma. Not here. Not Mark Schaff. No. Not in Verba. In Toma. Okay. And eh, eh, what's your? he just posted on Facebook, like, yeah, I got a new gig selling yeah. cars because you can chill and talk to people and sling some cars. Well, and if you have the freedom to do it in a way there's no pressure, there's no, like, fuck, if I don't sell three cars right. today, I'm not going to pay the heat. That's what life should feel like, is like you have a balance. I go home, I love my family, I've got a purpose, I get up in the morning, I get to interact, I get to make the world a little better place. That's living. That's really like, in, in my mind, it's not always about having an extra $500,000 in the bank. It's about making the world a little better place, showing up, getting what the beauty of the world can give you, accepting it, and then taking that home to your family. You know, yeah. if you have a family or your friends or, mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, having experiences and sharing them. Yeah. That's a you're so Lacey, you're big into like give back and bettering communities and things like that. Yeah. What I mean you can talk about what you all do, but what like what's the motivator behind that? Because I feel like ever since I started with the club, you've always been involved in deeper things than just like business promotion for yourself. Yeah, because I think a community is a community and we're only as good as we like show up together. Whether I'm helping a employee become an entrepreneur and start their own business and, you know, contribute to our business community or putting shirts on little kids mm-hmm. that say Baraboo on them, um I think we're only as strong as a co- it, it, it as a community as kind of our um weakest community members i don't know if that's a probably not a politically correct thing <laughs> the chain is only the as strong chain, as you know what weakest i mean I, yeah, I just no. feel like i can contribute i can make things better you can make an impact yeah i can make an impact and so that's why i'll never be a millionaire because mm-hmm. like i do want to make the place i live a better place mm-hmm. um was there a point like at what point in your life did you like was there a conscious decision to do that like after you opened up the spa and you're like, I don't know, I don't even, you just celebrate like what, 20 years? 15. 15. What is it like five years in? You're like, this is successful. Like I can do more. Or was it like, I don't know, do you have a horrible, I don't know where you grew up community <laughs> when you grew up. You're like, fuck, no one helps anyone around here. Like what was, no, I don't, I was don't there know. like a driver behind like such an involved person? I think just being part of the, business community i f- i honestly at first saw it as like a way to get recognition mm. and be established as a business in the community um and just part of the community i don't i just i feel like we're only literally only as good as our weakest link whether we're in the business community or we're talking about um people you know i always say i don't care where people spend dollars in our community as long as they're spending them in our community because if they're spending them with my neighbors then you know they can 
get better product or improve the front of their building or whatever that is. And so I don't know, I just have like a very optimistic like um, view of the impact that we can make yeah. mm-hmm. if we take what we have and spread it out. Well, it's building everybody up. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, it's not taking the 10 greatest businesses and, and shouting them out to the world. It's like you're shouting the entire community out the world. This is who we are as a people yeah. and we can help. When you put a t-shirt on a little kid, they're going to remember that. Yeah. You know, that's the, the beautiful thing. Like think about the dinner you did with the yeah. boys and girls club. You donated the money for the kitchen. Yeah. You know, and the kids were there. They helped set it up. They saw it. Yeah. That is going to get carried with them their whole lives. So the modeling, the impacting, what you're doing is, but you started out, like what, what, what got you going? Like yeah. Like you, did you went you, to like, Sundara, but what was before Sundara? Like what, what was the fire? Was it like getting the fuck out of Boscobel? <laughs> like what, what, what was the, Possibly. <laughs> it's like, I got, you know, cause I got, yeah. So what was the, you know, that. You've always been so driven. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I didn't I know you back don't then. Don't know where it comes from. I mean, I think there's just like a really strong work ethic and like a I'll take what I need and then I need to pass the rest of it along to the people who who need that. And um, I don't. I don't know. I, don't know, I should probably like do some work on that or something. <laughs> yeah, get in there, book. Yeah, <laughs> get a get a journal. Um, I do think you know, like the specific the promotion we just did with Greatest Place on Earth. I mean, that came out of a. Um, so we're we were discontinuing a color of our shirts, and I was mm-hmm. like, God, I don't want to just, I don't want to just set, put these on sale because mm-hmm. it dilutes our brand. Yep. Um, if we're just selling cheap stuff, um, so I was like, what can we do with these shirts to like make a better impact? And um, somebody said, what if we just give them to the boys and girls club? And then I reached out to the boys and girls club. They were doing a community cleanup um, for Earth Day, and it was like, okay, well this makes sense. And then. It was like, yeah, because I want to. I want every kid in the Baraboo area to have a shirt that says "Greatest Place on Earth," so they can feel proud about their community. Like, if we can start to invest in kids at the, and obviously, you guys, this is like your whole motto, but at the Boys and Girls Club. But like, if we can invest in them at an elementary level, like, mm-hmm. can we help stop them from, you know? maybe making bad choices when they get a little older um, if they if they feel proud of their community. Um, and I know th- Mike Palm asked me, like, what, what's this all about? And I said, you know, if, if I can give a kid a shirt and they can be proud about living in Baraboo and in a few years they're with a friend who wants to, like, spray paint something, hopefully mm-hmm. they'll say, like, no, man, why would you do that? Like, somebody's got to clean that up, right? Because right. they were, like, cleaning up our community. And, um, so it's just, it's full circle, like making everybody better and stronger in our community. And hopefully even if they're, if Baraboo isn't their community, they take that to the next place. And so, yeah, I I have like a really strong desire to all of the things that we talked about today to empower kids with those, that skill set. You know, when we talk about, um, addiction and you know burglaries and all the bad things that our police departments deal with like how can we positively impact kids to to reduce those things as you know as our time goes on and in addition to making them feel 
like they matter. Yeah. You know, I think that the biggest motivator for when I was growing up and for myself, when I did something that was really stupid, I felt like I didn't matter. Like nobody's going to care. Like nobody cares about me. So what the fuck does it matter? Like I, you know, I can, I can break this shit. You know, I can yell at somebody and it's like, nobody, nobody cares about me anyway. So it doesn't matter. And if I, uh, we see these Kyle, we see these kids every day. Not every, I see them every Monday. You see them every single day, but I feel like, and maybe, I don't know, like maybe we don't hit every single one of them every day, but they feel like they matter. Mm-hmm. feel like their voice gets heard and it's, and it's of value. And when I think you give a kid a feeling of value and that they matter, then they realize what they do matters, you know, on a bigger scale. Yeah. You know, that yes, their lives are very important. Yes, they're individuals and they should love themselves to the nth degree, but also understand that they are part of a, a greater whole, you know, that they do need other people, you know. Yeah. And, and they th- matter to other people. Yes, absolutely. And our kids are lucky, I yeah. think, because we teach them that. But a lot yeah. of kids don't have that opportunity to understand that they matter. And so when you show up and you, you show somebody they matter, and maybe only one out of 15 kids that you gave a T-shirt to is going to remember that. But 20 years from now, they're going to be like, ah, oh, I remember her. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I think, like, when the day we did the t-shirt thing, like, it wasn't the way I, like, I didn't know how it was going to go because it was fast, but, like, I had the opportunity to give each one of those kids their t-shirt and say, thank you for cleaning up our community. Yeah. You know, and it's like, that is, and I was so impressed. Like, I thought, honestly, I was like, these kids are going to get these shirts and be like, eh, what a stupid shirt. (laughs) Like, they all put their shirts on. They put their hats on. They were, like, so. Everyone was decked out i i was telling Lacey this the day of i was like uh just so you know i just talked to a kid who said this is the best shirt he's ever worn it's the softest shirt and mm-hmm. he's never taken it off i'm like so i'm gonna need another one in if we did, we another <laughs> basket. Like, i was like that if there's kids that aren't here or that kid wants to wear that shirt every freaking day and in three weeks it looks disgusting yeah. give him another shirt like yeah. whatever again i'm never gonna be a millionaire but like and like, and then Derek came and played music, mm-hmm. and I was like, again, so impressed. The kids just like sat there and they listened to Derek play like acoustic, original music. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't anything they recognized, and they were so intri- genuinely interested. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had the opera, like both um, Baraboo Police Department and Sauk County sent officers, and like they hung out with the kids and played with fidget spinners, and like it was just like. And in that day, in that moment, I had so many things going on unrelated to this event. And that day I was like, I have, I, why did I schedule this thing? Mm-hmm. I have so many other things. And then when I got here and I was present in that moment, I was like, this is the reason I do all these things. Yeah. Yeah. It was a pretty awesome day. And when you talk about some of our kids here and it's just like a t-shirt, right? Yeah. It's like, that's everything. Yeah. I remember we gave a a young man a, that league sweatshirt. Oh wow, yeah, that was his world, mm-hmm. and he, he wanted it so bad. And uh, every day I saw him for literally the next month, he had that shirt on, and it got stained to hell. Yep. But it's like this is me. Mm-hmm. 
I belong to something. I belong to something. This is something I can be proud of. Not everyone has this. Yep. This is something special, and it's it's no different than with the the GPE shirts. It's just, yeah, the community as a whole. It you enabled kids, I think, to be proud of something. Yeah. And and to tie it into you know cleaning up their community. It's just another step into the big picture. And uh, the more we do it, the more it happens. Yeah, and if. $500 worth of t-shirts can get 50 kids to like be invested, Yeah, you yeah. know, and just like to care and, and the, the, um, the thank you, just like, thank you for picking up bottles of pee in the alley. That's disgusting. Yeah. And there are clearly adults in our community who don't have that same kind of pride. So don't be one of those adults. Yeah. Like, that's gross. Why it's would you do that? A, it's amazing how willing they are once they're in the moment to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was super impressed. Yeah, they it's, had like 20 bags of garbage. Yeah, and it was, it was little day. littles yeah. and big kids. Yeah. And I was like. We took our, our league guys out for a walk and did a cleanup. And I think we got two or three garbage yeah. bags out of that. Yeah. Too, and that was just a quick. Yeah. Yeah. And not only those opportunities, obviously, to do all those good cleanup things, but just like to get outside and to be in a different space and to like have the opportunity to walk next to somebody and have a conversation, like just creating space for conversations. And to deal with uncomfortable situations because when we did our cleanup. Yeah, you found what, like three needles or something? We found, well, we found needles on the ground. We found a glass jar, thankfully, to put those in. Um, And. I wasn't going to say that. What oh, I was going to say well, was needles, so. <laughs> in, in an accountability sort of way. So we had this group of kids who were out cleaning up trash. And uh, and I told them, I said, I said, whoever collects the most trash gets a dollar. And it was like a dollar's nothing, right? Yeah. But it was more about the long, the lines of like, of like ah, I'm going to get the dollar. I'm motivated now. So they're like running back and forth and grabbing all these things. And this one young man, <laughs> he... He picked up a brick because it would have made his trash bag really heavy, you know. And he and he and he's like, so he's like, oh man, these other kids are like their bag is so much heavier than ours. And then it's like, dude, you put a brick in your trash bag. And he's like, well, I thought it was like a a sponge or something. And it's like, mm, or did you want to win? And and then he had to face that. Yeah, he had to face that someone called him out. But we accepted him still that he made a mistake. He tried to take an edge that was unfair, but we didn't ostracize him. We didn't like, you know, make it a, a like worst thing you could possibly do in the world. And the other kids could see us call him out on it in a very honest, loving way. Say, that's not cool. This is not how we operate. This is not how we show up. Yeah. And it was like, it was pretty awesome. Now run back and put the brick back. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. We made him run two blocks back and put it back where he found it too. Yeah, that might be the brick that holds somebody's door open. Yeah, right, I exactly. Like, I don't know what that was for, but he found it in somebody's yard. But it was like, yeah, it was accountability, integrity, honesty, communication, all of those things that we can model for them every single day. And and they were ripe for it. They didn't have their heads in their phones. We're outside, we're engaging. It's just it's a perfect yeah. thing. And I think in a general sense, you coming in weekly or you making this trip or the, the PD and, and the sheriff's department coming, like it adds so much power to the message. Mm-hmm. Like they hear, they see me or our staff every day. 
Yeah. And we can, you know, give kudos and appreciation and, and walk this line with them every day. And it means a ton, right? But when Lacey who, well, why are you giving me a shirt? Because you appreciate me? Okay. That's cool. Do I know you? No. Okay. Well, I kind of want to know you now, mm-hmm. right? Let's hang out. And you set this up for us. Why, why did you set it up for us? You're not a staff here. Mm-hmm. Why do you come in every, every week? I can hang out with us. You're not a staff here. Oh, because we mean something to you. And it just, it, it adds to the message and it adds to the community of, yeah. of what we're doing. So thank you both. And I think when you're talking about having that difficult conversation, teaching someone how to have that conversation in mm. a loving, respectful way, yeah. like you've done something that, that disappointed me, that doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you made a bad choice. Mm-hmm. And so I need to let you know how it like that is that communication skill that, that like you, you don't you can communicate with someone about something negative without shaming or degrading them. And, right. Absolutely. And that something we all could practice. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, you can fuck up. Yeah. We, we all sti- fuck up. We will still love you. You yeah. are still part of this. It's yeah. and to your point, not coming from a regular not coming from your parent right i think that that's super impactful yeah with with kids when i was a kid i was walking downtown i was doing something stupid somebody that was a friend of my dad's would walk over and put his hand around the back of my neck and say the fuck are you doing it's like oh okay yeah it's different it's a different feeling Mm -hmm. when it's somebody else not the person that tells you every single day pick up your room eat your vegetables da 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 it's like like you said it's like it's a it's a message you hear all the time. It just kind of blends in with everything else that's going on. But when it's from somebody else, maybe somebody that you really respect, someone that showed up and took the time out of their day, a really busy fucking day to show up and do something awesome, and they're like, "Whoa, I need to pay attention here." Yeah, you know. And I think that's where the sense of community comes in. Yeah. yeah. Whether we're talking about kids or we're talking about a women's seminar or a men's seminar, like we are all human and we all make mistakes. Yeah. But we just got to show up for ourselves and, you know, for other people. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. I spoke at Pulse's women's seminar a month or two ago and um, had a very vulnerable conversation about, like, some of the things that I'm learning and how I'm changing. And every woman in that room, I didn't, I knew a handful of them, but not many of them. They were like, all, when I see you, all I see is all the great things you do in this community, the dinners and the the all the things, the kids stuff. And to hear that, like, you're having the same challenges and you're struggling. Like we didn't, we didn't think people like you do that. I'm like, we all struggle. We all have bad things. Like how you use those, whether you use them to, for fuel to self-destruct or fuel to get to the next level. That's Mm -hmm. what the difference is. And, you know, you're at this women's seminar, so clearly you want to make better choices too. Right. You know, their kids, the kids here are at the club, you know, whether they want to be here, their parents want them to be here. They want them to make better choices. They, they didn't just leave them at home. Yeah. 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 You're a human. You're, you're a real. Human. Yeah. Welcome yeah. to the world and life of humanoids. Yeah. <laughs> and, we've, and, we, and to date, thank you for the pandemic. We've created a space where people are maybe allowing themselves to be a little more human. You know, like our flaws are on, are on front and center. Yeah. You know, all, all the, all the shit that we struggle with is on front and center because 
We don't have work to hide it with anymore. We don't have mm-hmm. all the same things that we busyness. used to do. The busyness. Yes, thank you. The busyness is like how much of our shit gets couched in busyness. I don't have time for that right now. I'm busy. Yeah. It's I know like, I try to I one thing that I did kind of take away from that Rachel Hollis was like we all have the same amount of time. Actually time is like the great equalizer. Yeah. When you say I don't have time for that, no you're not prioritizing. Yeah, right. Like we could yeah. all whether you it's going to the gym or going to the bar. There's three hours of your day or an hour and a half of your day that you get to choose how to use that time. Yep. Do you want to use it to do something better or do you want to use it to do something the same? And I'm not saying one is better than the other. It's and a choice. It's and a choice. face said consequences based on your choices. Well, and you know, if I was going to put a visual to that, like you said earlier, when you got all the balls in the air and you showed up here at the club and you had the shirts to give out and you met with these kids and you got a million other things that you could be doing all some of those balls are hitting the ground mm-hmm. while you're in that moment and you know it. Yep. That's the hard part about getting over busy, doing too much and, and trying to find the balance. Cause I do the same thing. I say yes to so many things and I take on so much stuff and it's like, well, what am I like? What, what do I have to let go of to, to more, put more time into this thing that makes me feel like a better human? You know, how do I, is it actually prioritizing or is it saying no? Because saying no is fucking hard. Yeah. You know, and, and, and when there's opportunities, we're taught opportunities come once in a lifetime and you got to seize it by the horns and go for it. And that's not true. Every day opportunities arise. We just don't see them because we're so fucking busy. Yeah. You know, so it, they're not so rare. If we're there, pick the opportunities we want to pick. If we love taking care of these kids in our community and we want to put three hours towards that, how impactful is that when we don't have to stress about the whole everything else and all the balls that are hitting the ground while we're helping those kids? You know, it's like if it takes a, a very big person to, to let the balls fall and then say, okay, well, I got to pick them back up and we'll figure it out. And then, or somebody else might pick the ball up. That's what I've learned. Oh. Sometimes when you let the ball <laughs> fall, somebody else might pick it up and it actually might've been their job in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like sometimes I, you got to stop. You just got to let things break. And I know Kyle, you were talking about like, do I follow up with my staff? Um, in that situation, you don't want to, uh, it's hard to let things break that are going to have like a very negative long-term impact, but um, whatever, somebody doesn't get an email sent out, a meeting doesn't happen, you know, well, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't happen. It won't yeah. be the end of the world. No. What's the worst that's going to happen? Just look at it. Like if I, I forgot X. Okay. What's the absolute worst that's going to happen? Cause nine out of 10 times, it's probably not a big deal. Yeah. Well, we always play it up. Oh, yeah. Play it up in our minds. Our minds it? do some fucked up things. So our minds, one of the, I don't know if it was a pod. Actually, I think it's the codependency no more. They talk about how creating those stories in your mind. So your mind actually doesn't know the difference between Kyle went out last night. He drank too much. He slept in a ditch. And he, that's just a bad story. <laughs> yeah, this did not happen, just well, to be clear. Uh, but, Have you the, been hanging out with Kyle? <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? But that Refer story. To whiskey night. <laughs> <laughs> that story that um uh, let's say you go out and you 
hang out at Ike's house and you're sitting on the porch all night smoking cigarettes, but you don't, not smoking cigarettes. This story's getting really <laughs> turned where, where are we going with this? Okay, it's not Kyle yeah, anymore. fucked up. So Joe, right. Joe Schmo does something fucked Joe up. Joe Schmo does something bad. <laughs> and his wife's at home and she's making up this story in her head. Like, he's not oh, at yeah, yeah, yeah. Ike's house playing video games. He, because he's not answering his phone, he went to Madison and he's at a rave with a girl and, you know, all right. the things. Like, uh, we when we get that story going in our head, our body reacts the same way as far as like increased heart rate and 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 stress and anxiety as if you were actually experiencing it right like when you make that story Mm -hmm. up in your head and and so you can live in this constant state of stress if you are making up these crazy stories you know whether it's work or life related Mm -hmm. um I guess I don't know exactly where I was going with that but it seemed like it seemed like a really interesting concept to me and I was like I think when I make that story up in yeah. my head, I get the same feeling yeah. of probably worse anxiety, actually. Because you don't actually know the answer. Because you actually don't yeah. know the answer. But you can create a shit storm oh, in your head fucking yeah. in a really quick period mm-hmm. of time when actually Kyle was just playing video games at Ike's house with, right. his, with his stepson. Yep. And they got into a game and it's three o'clock in the morning and his phone went dead because he was uh, streaming some music. Yeah, you know, right. like... Yeah. Oh, nothing actually happened, but mm-hmm. I'm the mind does some fucked up stuff. It is crazy. If you let it. Well, if you let it. Yeah, it's there's a uh a thing where like we talk about in club and it's one of my things in my life that I do sometimes to a fault, but it's giving somebody the benefit of the doubt to begin with. It's like at least give me or I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. And if you prove me wrong, multiple times then it's like okay so i have to proceed differently but just allowing someone the benefit of the doubt will create room for honesty and clear communication but if it's automatically the story that you played up in your head that kyle was getting drunk on ditch in a ditch and smoking cigarettes with ike (laughs) on his porch all night long and then you show up and you're like you could probably smell the cigarette smoke even if it doesn't exist, mm. you know, and it's like you were laying in a ditch and then all of a sudden Kyle is going to be super fucking defensive and he's like, you don't know me. I'm not that kind of person. And, and then there's no room for communication. There's no room for understanding and integrity. And it's just like where it's like, so where the fuck were you? Wow, this happened. I was playing video games with Ike and it's just like, oh, so maybe next time would you please call me? You know, it, it's like because it, I was really scared. I was worried about you. Oh, fuck. I didn't even think about that. I'm really sorry. You know, it's like I was maybe being fairly irresponsible and not saying to my wife or whatever, this is where I'm at. And it saves so much. Yeah. Like that story can get carried for years yeah. if it doesn't get solved in that moment. Well, yeah. you, I will. I think there are some people, though, that, and this would probably bode into a trust issue to begin with, but that would take the fabricated story hear the reality and be like, that's not true. Sure. That doesn't seem like it's true. That seems too easy. Yeah. Well, what, yeah. Cause it's the truth is easy. Yeah. So. It, it really, it is. And even to take it one step further, that fabricated story, mm-hmm. if you live in that fabric, if you allow yourself to come up with that, now I'm, now I've called your mom and I called my mom mm. and I told them the story. Right. Now it just escalates into this whole that's, crazy drama. And it's like, that actually didn't need to happen. No, yeah, that turned into way. Well, you want to feel, you want to get that confirmation that you're you're right. Validated. You want to be validated. Mm-hmm. You want to you want people in your corner. Yeah. You know, because 
if shit hits the fan, you need those people in your corners that you can talk to Mm -hmm. when it's like, then, then they can say, you're right. You're right. You're right. And not have to ask you, where was he really? You know, are you sure? You know, you don't want, or when your fabricated story is like half true, maybe it's not like, you know, cheating or anything like that, but there might be some truth. And then Mm -hmm. your fabrication though, then adds the other truth. That's where I think it really gets blended, but that's, and then you just have this crazy drama. So I think, yeah, as I, and then you put it on Facebook. Yeah, and then see, then this goes full circle of shitstorm and shitty years. Well, hey, shitstorm. I want to be respectful oh. of your time, Lacey. Thank you yeah. for prioritizing. Because I have to go make granola with my kids. Coming and hanging out with us. <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, no, I do appreciate you making the time. This I'll is, put it on Facebook for you, Ike. Yeah. Granola. <laughs> if you, I, I hope you do, because then I'm going to be like, what the fuck? She just went to this thing all morning. She's making granola. She's going to go do this. And then she's going to pow- power hour and she's going to journal. And it's like, wow. So powerful. The great and powerful Lacey Welsh. Stephas. The three name. The three name. It's <laughs> my pseudonym. Well, thank you guys for having me. Yeah. yeah. Um, Thanks for coming. Yeah. I'm really glad you came. This is awesome. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. feel like we covered a lot of ground. Wait, this That's, is what this we do. This is what we do. Yeah, just all yeah. over the place. I mean, once in a lifetime opportunity to come hang with us, I know. Yeah, really so, it is. It, it, yeah. If you get invited back, I mean, it's yeah, going to be a thing. another day. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you doing next week? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> going to North Virginia. West Virginia. Of course you are. Oh, no. Of course West you're Virginia. going to West Virginia. Yeah. You just got back from Alabama. You're going to make some granola. Then you're going to West Virginia. Wow. What is, what's in West Virginia? Um, a parts house for uh, Steve's. So we're going to oh. go shadow a company that's doing um, what Gateway Power Sports is going to be doing this fall. Excellent. Selling, yeah. selling junk online. Doing homework. Doing homework. There you yeah, go. Awesome. A little, little research and development. Very good. Very nice. In West right. Virginia. Well, well, in West Virginia. Well, there might be some cool shit in yeah. West Virginia. You're yeah. probably going to meet some interesting people. I can guarantee you that. Like a road trip. A funny, I'll tell you the, uh, the last, the one only time I was in West Virginia, we stopped on a road trip. We had little kids. We stopped at like a Shoney's or something ridiculous Ooh, like that, like a buffet. And it yeah. happened to be like barbecue night. I was pregnant. I was like not eating barbecue. But the people behind us, the lady, um, her husband was a pharmacist and he was having an affair. She was meeting with a private detective. and um, Oh, my God. And so it was her and the husband's secretary that were meeting with the private detective. He was a pharmacist and he was selling pharmacy drugs out the back door of the pharmacy illegally. And he was having an affair and she was setting up a private investigator Jesus. to um, all to in get the, Shoney's to get the dirt on him <laughs> so she could divorce him and probably take him for all he was worth. Yeah. And send him to jail, probably. And I remember I was just sitting there with like my mouth wide open, like listening. <laughs> my husband, Steve's like, are are you ready? And I'm like, Can, don't you want dessert or something? <laughs> order, a, order a coffee. I, I heard Shoney's has got a mean cheesecake. <laughs> I am eavesdropping. And I even like went so far to like Google the town after we got back. Cause I was like, I want to follow up with yeah. this. I want to yeah. see if this guy really gets like in trouble. So that was my only West wow. Virginia experience. That's a pretty awesome West Virginia experience. So yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. You were very present. You were. <laughs> I'm a you great, so fucking I'm a great eavesdropper. <laughs> that's good to know. Thank you. <laughs> People observer. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap it up. All right, this. man. Okay. Hey, Thanks, thank guys. you very, very much. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Much love. And until next time. Peace, y'all. All right. Bye. bye.